Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and this is how the show starts. I ask my guest who they are. So who are you? I'm Liam Stapleton and I'm a guy from the radio. You are, like, even the way you answered that, Liam Stapleton, you sounded like a guy from the radio. <laughs> yeah. It's just that great radio voice well, that you yeah. came in. And then we were having a pre-chat and I was talking like yeah. this and then, like, you know, you, the mics are on. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liam and I'm from the radio. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know what you're selling, but I want to buy it. That voice is amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know about that. Like, I, I never thought I had a good radio voice, to be honest. Like, I, it's, it's that, you know, you've obviously done a bit of radio as well in the first you know, a few times you hear it, you're super uncomfortable. And then you just sort of just get used to it after a while. But I, like, I don't think I ever walked around and, and I don't think anyone's ever said, oh, you've got a good, you know, voice for radio. You know what I mean? You do. At fun, it's funny how we hear our own voices mm. as well. I'd, I wonder if there is a difference between how we perceive our own voices in the same way as some days you can look in the mirror and think you look fantastic and yeah. other days you look in the mirror and you're like, do I have one of those clown mirrors installed yeah. in my bathroom? <laughs> because why? And I think there is an element of that with our voices as well in that, you know, we have this personal filter of like, you know, you often hear it with performers. They don't like to watch themselves back or hear themselves back. And I certainly am in that category because I can't stand the sound of my own voice, but the sound of my voice can't be so repellent because like heaps of people listen to it constantly. Yeah, like, I like so, your voice. I think you've got a great voice. You've got a yeah. So I don't think I do, and yeah. you don't necessarily think you do. But when I hear you speak, I think, oh, that's a great radio. Yeah, voice. and I think I'm like, oh man, Will Anderson's voice. What an iconic. Like it's it's kind of got that raspy, <laughs> but I mean, it's just you. You know what I mean? Like no one sounds like you. But I also with the recording thing, like I've noticed, like a lot of stand ups that normally, like you know, they've got the stool. They got the phone there. Sometimes you get the, you know, the comedians with the gadgets these days and they're checking the Apple Watch. Like, are you one of those guys who records your set each time and then and then you're sort of like listening back, or you're not you're not you know any of that anymore? Half of that is true, Liam. Right. I record it every time. And then just don't listen <laughs> do, to it. <laughs> do, do I listen back to it? No, it's an enormous vault of recordings that if I, I was see. a more professional comedian, I could sit down with and listen back to. Like normally I record it on that off chance that you improvise something amazing or do a joke in a new way for the very first time and you want to remember at the end of the show, how did I do this? I don't know if you've ever had, I don't know if you're a swimmer or a runner, but have you ever had a good idea when you've been swimming or running and you've had to then just keep thinking about that idea for the rest of your swim or your run yeah. so you don't forget that idea? Well, yeah. I mean, like, fortunately, I'm not a, I'm not a super active person, so that's not normally a problem for me. But I do, <laughs> I do, like, the notes section in my phone is vast. I'm, I'm, I write it down, but I spell things wrong a lot. And then I'm, I sort of sometimes try and decipher, especially if I'm on, I'm on a night out or whatever and I've had a few drinks, and then I'm like, what even was that? Like, and I look, yeah, but, like, I try and, I try and you know, flesh out a little bit of a, you know, a paragraph or just, like, thoughts that are running through my head, but it's very much a brain dump. But that's, you know, that's for stuff for, you know, for the show. So, yeah, well, so if you had that idea when you were swimming, mm. there's nowhere to write it on your phone at that point. So for the rest of your swim, you have to just keep thinking of that idea so that you don't forget it, basically, is how it works. Yeah. And, like, I used to have to do that on stage. If you, you nailed something for the first time, for the rest of the gig, all you'd be doing, you wouldn't really be concentrating on the material True. you were doing. You'd just be like, don't forget how you said that thing the way that you said it. Yeah. And so now I record it. 
But what I find with recording it is that you never need the recording. Yeah, right. It's, like it's, it's more just peace of mind type backup. thing. Yeah. yeah it yeah. makes you be able to forget Isn't about it. Isn't it funny when you do like um, – I went to see Michael McIntyre last night at Rod Laver mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I've, I've seen his – Play tennis. Michael McIntyre <laughs> yeah, yeah. playing tennis at Rod Laver <laughs> yeah. Arena. Just warming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he was so great and his, uh, his warm up act was so great as well, but he was definitely doing that thing where obviously he knew the time he sort of had to hit. And then I, I almost, it was almost like, because he, and he was really killing it, but he kept checking yeah. his watch and it was kind of, <laughs> kind of throwing me off. Cause I was like, what, what's, what's he supposed to do? And I, and I was thinking, I was like, someone texting him on his Apple watch, like do another five. He's not ready. Or like, <laughs> but it was kind of like throwing me out of the whole thing. So it's like, I, I'm fine with people when they're recording things, but when they're like checking it constantly, it's sort of, I'm like, what's going on? Is something, is something it, happening? Is there an emergency? It, it does feel like Michael McIntyre beats him if he goes over time based yeah. on that alarmed reaction. Yeah, well, this is true. This is true. Maybe that's what's happening behind the scenes. <laughs> what he really needs is what like a lot of fancy venues have these days, which is a clock at your feet. So nice. down behind the speaker wedge, they'll have like a little countdown clock there. And so you can see it during your show rather than having to look at your watch. They, or don't, your phone. they don't still use the, um, the old red light. When you've gone over time at an open mic, and they just—I mean, they blare the, red you light with the, light. Di- the red light doesn't give any information other than you've fucked up. <laughs> it doesn't tell you how much you've fucked up by. Right? <laughs> See, I'm so fascinated in that with this stand-up thing because it's never been like I, no. like Ben and myself uh, who I do radio with. We we did a little bit like dabbled. so. We should explain that we we jumped into radio guy and then yeah. we just started talking, which is the way of this podcast, and I'm fine with this. But for those who don't know. Uh, the show that you do, Ben and Liam has been your, like, we'll do it. We'll come back to this, but I just want to give the previously on Ben and Liam, which is that the two of you uh, did radio in South Australia. You ended up on Triple J Breakfast. You ended up uh, on Nova Breakfast in South Australia. You're now doing Nova Breakfast in Melbourne. Is that a real quick? This is true. And now it's it's Ben, Liam and Bell now because our producer, Bell, who's been with us for the last few years, she's, she's on the show full time now, which has been great as well. So it's given us a new, new lease of life after like, Basically a decade of, of doing this thing together, which is... You're like a couple who've introduced the third. Yeah, That's what's happening. We got we the saw, keys in the we bowl. We saw you across the bar. <laughs> we, we really dig your vibe. We'd, we'd you love to come and do a radio show with us. <laughs> 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 so when you refer to those people, we now know who those people yes. are. Sorry to interrupt. This is but true. That was my little... Yes. No, no, no. Totally fine. No, no. I get it. Context. Radio context brain is kicking in, you know. But... um. We dabbled in a bit of stand-up, like, early, early doors. And I'd never, you know, I, I sort of, I think there was a certain point where we made the decision to be like, oh, let's let's just back one thing in and, and try mm-hmm. and be good at, like, the one thing. So radio was right. sort of, there seemed to be less people trying to do that. So that seemed like an easier <laughs> option, I suppose. You know what I mean? And, uh, but I still, like, I have some good memories and some, like, absolute nightmares of, of getting up there and doing tell that. Me, like, tell me about the oh, first man. one that you did. My first one, yeah. I think you hear these stories a lot, but my first one, you know, Went I thought well. I knocked it out of the park. Yeah. yeah. Second one even. Third one and then fourth one crashed and burned. But to be fair, like my first gig ever, I was like 16 and I was doing, uh, it was actually a Triple J competition. It was Class Clowns, um, which is kind of like raw comedy, uh, a competition that runs nationally. But this is just for like literally kids in school. So, you know, the crowd is, Pretty supportive. It was like, you know, it was like soccer moms and stuff. And, I, you know, I was like, man, I'm destroying out here. And But it was really cool. Like, I remember Sam Simmons, Sam Simmons was actually the, the MC for it. And, uh, yeah, then the year after that, I was 17. So I, I was out of school and I, I did, um, 
Yeah, I did Raw and uh, Raw, like that was really fun. And and made, I, ne- I never made it past like the state final, but that was once again, massive false sense of security because it's this supportive thing and everyone's out there enjoying their mates, doing it for the first time. And you get to do it at like the arts theater and there's like 500 people there and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the likes of Will Anderson perform in these theaters, and then like, then you go into a footy club, and then you just get destroyed. <laughs> you get absolutely destroyed. I remember like in my so I was like I wasn't even eighteen, and I went uh, I did a gig in Wirrala, which is I don't know if you, do you know where Wirrala is? No, but that yeah. that says as much about Wirrala as you need to this know. Is true. Right? <laughs> Population of eighty. It's like half. It's like halfway. It's like the middle point of Australia. It's in South Australia. Okay, and um. Yeah, they they didn't really. Yeah, they weren't really picking up what I was putting down. I was up there trying to talk about you know university and stuff, and they they fucking hated me. <laughs> they hated me, Will. They hated me. But of course, like you know, then you know, doing soccer clubs and footy clubs and stuff after that, you sort of like you know build up a bit of a thicker skin and and you get it a little bit. But yeah, I had worse gigs than that. <laughs> My worst one ever. I ran off the stage actually. And you did not. I did. I did. It was this. So it was. Um, <laughs> It was when, so, you know, you know, this Adelaide Fringe, people who aren't from Adelaide, like the, the clips all used to run at the same time. It was very much yeah. like the arts so, scene were out. Yeah, the arts the arts festival is like, so they have the arts festival, they have the Fringe mm. festival, they have WOMAD, they have all these incredible arts festivals that are all on at the same time. And in the middle of it, they used to also have a car race, like, yeah. you know, for rev heads. Yeah. And so... There would be because Adelaide isn't a huge city, and the car race was in the heart of the yeah, city. It was right, so, isn't it? so there would be an absolute like you in one paddock in the city. There would be a bunch of tents full of artists doing fringe shows, mm. and you literally walked over pretty much one block from where <laughs> you were, and you were suddenly in the middle of a motor race. Like oh. two tribes really like blended in with each other. And it's not like you're, uh, you know, I got to go to the Grand Prix for the first time this year in Melbourne, which you know, which they bloody stole. From Adelaide, but um, you know it's very, it has that sort of glamour on the grid, ritzy yeah. sort of feel. So especially you know in, in Monaco, and you see all the celebrities, and like yeah. the, you know the the clips all is V eight supercars. It's it's Holden right. and Ford Polos. It's you know Jack Daniels. It's you know it's Bogan, and we're proud of it. And we love it, but it's like yeah. the, you know that and uh, you know the, the arts in quotation marks doesn't doesn't really like mix all the time. But I remember doing a gig when I was like eighteen. It was actually like pretty good pay, and I was like sweet. So I you know I drove there in my like, you know, rusted up 98 laser. And, uh, it was, I remember the, the, the billing of the show was hardcore demos, triple X fucking hardcore late show was the name of the show. And I I did a few gigs for this guy, hardcore demo, um, back in the day, he was pretty hardcore. (laughs) And, uh, basically, I know this is going around billing yourself as hardcore demo. (laughs) This is this, uh, like I, I sometimes think I'm like, man, this, it seems like made up when I talk about it, but it was, it was essentially like, a sex show and a comedy show all blended in together. Like it was, it was hardcore. Okay. And, uh, it was on like at like midnight after the clipsal in like a warehouse. So it was just, you know, once again, you know, I was only drawing on the life experiences I'd had to that point, And that was, you know, finishing at a private school out in the suburbs and then doing like, you know, a semester of uni before I bailed on that. Um, and they were, you know, they were coming in, they were coming in hot. You know, there was, there was, you know, the toothless rev head warriors. They were like ha- having a few jacks down. The worst bit is I was like, it started with the the sexy bit. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even really like a strip show. It was kind of like, um, it was kind of like, uh, like a, 
like a you know like a gross bucks party kind of when everyone oh, you kind of oh, like okay. come on man like yeah. this is you know it shouldn't be we shouldn't be here like that, that, that was the kind of that was the kind of thing and I remember I remember that the host had told me so I you know I probably had like ten minutes at that point yeah I probably never had much more than that really but like ten minutes was pretty much my that was it and yeah. uh, the host sort of told me just before he's like oh mate a comedian's pulled out so we might have to get you to go and do like a double set. And I was like, <laughs> I don't like, man, I, I was like, oh yeah. And then, so I was like, maybe if he like doesn't pull it, I'll just have to try and make my set like longer. I don't know. I'll just like, whatever, I'll work it out. And then I was like, nah, but he's probably going to rock up. So this show was happening on stage. I won't get into details, but you know, yeah, they, they, they had towels laid down. Yeah, and uh, that, that says enough. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they've had to lay down yeah, towels—you yeah. don't—you don't need to paint the entire that's picture. It. We can use that's our imagination. There was moisture on the stage, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then uh, as I was walking out, he like brought me up and he tapped me on the back and went twenty. <laughs> and I was like, oh no! Yeah, and and once again, they hated me. They hated me, and it just sucked. And I was—I don't know. Like I was then I started like. I was like swearing at the guys in the crowd and they were just having a crack and I was having a crack back. And then this guy like literally got up and like tried to like fight me essentially. Like he just sort of, (laughs) he wanted to punch on or at least like get up and get in my grill. So I, yeah, I I just like literally um, put the mic back in and just walked off and just just got back in my car. Never got paid for it. Never got paid for it. But uh, I mean, that seems like a sensible decision, actually. Yeah. Like, I've I got to be honest with you. You've assessed the situation yeah. and you've made the only appropriate decision in that <laughs> yeah. moment, which is, oh, man. You know, either that or you've got to get someone to get out their mobile phone and start, like, you know, filming it because being punched out by an audience member is a good way to go viral these days. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it. Wasn't that the Jim Jeffries thing? That was, like, his big thing, right? He got punched. He's, right? you know, jokes were too, you know, yeah. But uh, I, and I, I honestly sometimes think, that I was like, was that just a nightmare? Like, did that really happen? And I was at, I was at a uh, gig last year in Adelaide, actually, and some and some guy, like, uh, he came up to me and was like, hey, man, like, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, cool. And, like, I thought, you know, I, you know, my first, my mind went to maybe he was going to say something about the, you know, the radio show or something. I, I'd suppose if, if a stranger came up to me, I would say that's what I'm sort of <laughs> known for. And he's like, man, I remember seeing you at that uh, hardcore late show. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no, like, it happened. It happened. But I'm like, how would he remember? I don't know. Maybe he remembered that and then had connected two, two dots. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Oh man, that is that sounds like a nightmare. It I'm actually nightmare. getting you know little sweats just even thinking about that and scenario. That's the thing. I mean, for you know someone like my age, like looking at you, and I've gone to see your fringe shows for years and years, and I've seen you and and perform all all around Australia, and you you know you sort of seem like obviously you you've sort of mastered it. But do you, do you ever still have those gigs where you're like, oh, this is I shouldn't have shouldn't have done this like well just... firstly I'll, I'll tell you if you've seen me at the adelaide fringe over the years you know that i have mastered it because that's normally when i'm trying to work out yeah, what right. the new show <laughs> yeah. is gonna be i'm like he's so loose uh, it just seems like he's yeah. got no idea what's going on yeah <laughs> it's really good and everyone else is like oh that's weird two months later i saw quite a polish show where yeah. it clearly had a direction yeah <laughs> um i look you don't get thrown into those scenarios anymore that's right like yeah. where you're just like in a situation that isn't set up for, I mean, you probably do still get off of them is the truth, mm. right? Mm. Like I'm not on social media anymore, but I used to, and this wasn't the reason that I got off, although it has been a happy side effect of the reason that I got off, which was the amount of polite no's 
that I would have to offer to people who were just like, hey, I'm doing my first Adelaide Fringe and I've booked a, a minivan and we're going to do comedy in the back of the minivan and we thought it'd be a funny idea if you were walking down the street and we could come along and kidnap you and then force <laughs> you to do comedy in the back of the minivan and you're like, that does sound fun or also how I might be murdered in yeah, Adelaide, you yeah, know? Yeah. Not worth the chance. Like, yeah, it'll be really real. Like, we're not going to tell you until like the last minute. Yeah. How's this guy? We, uh, like, it was actually Ben who told me this story. He was he was in a like an Uber drive. Like, he was in an Uber and, uh, you know, he was asking some guy about this fringe show. He's like, oh, yeah, there's this one where they like, um, you like book it and they kidnap you and they like tie you up you know, like a warehouse sort of thing. And it's like the, the show is like you being kidnapped. I'm like, who who would want to do that? Like who's, you know, I think, you know, they have like the faulty towers, like experience where you can yeah. go and they have dinner and Mr. Fox. I've always wanted to have the taken experience. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The Albanians are whisking you away. <laughs> Your dad has to come and find you. But I'm like, wow, like that's, that's trippy. That is trippy. My dad would be on the phone. I have a certain set of skills, mostly around dairy farming. Yeah. So if there's anything that you need to know about dairy farming, I can help you. Region, Jersey, do them all. <laughs> yeah, I can identify a cow. <laughs> if you need me to tell which cow is which, I'm the guy for you. So, all right. Well, let's let's find out a little bit about – it's nice to have a chat to you. Like, you I think you'll understand this. Mm. It's nice to have a chat to you by yourself yeah. because – We've like you know you know run into each other over the years now for a while, but it's usually within the confines of a radio studio, or or even when it wasn't in the confines of a radio studio. Yeah, it was often when Ben and Liam were together. Yeah, regardless. Right? Yeah, for sure. It was rare to run into one of you and not the other one of you in the times that I I would see you. That so, is fair. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to have you here and to like just find out a bit about you today, like. Let's let's go back. So this podcast is about whether you have a life philosophy or not and what your life philosophy you might be and it might have to do with life or work or love or comedy or whatever it might be and it might change as life goes on. Um, what Do you have one? Is there some yeah. principle by which you, you would sum up your life? Well, yeah, look, I, look, what I will say is long-time listener, first-time guest and sometimes you hear, <laughs> you know, you hear people's philosophy on this show and you're like – Oh yeah, shit, that's deep. Well, that's really good. And then I was, I was like, literally, I, you know, I have mine, but I'm like, it's not that deep. But then I'm also no, like, not that deep is good though. Well, that's like, fine. I'm fine it's with simple. not that deep. But yeah. I find the one I come back to is don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Which, which like, it's it's more. I think it's just putting things in the right box. Sometimes you know, like, I found like, it, like honestly, I applied it to my life maybe like two or three years ago, and it's sort of it was hugely beneficial. Just like letting go of little things like don't that don't matter that much you know what i mean i'm amazed again like i mean as everyone who listens to this podcast will know uh sadly i i am off all social media and uh the major side effect of that is that i cannot stop talking about the fact that i'm off all social media yeah. so i apologize nah, right. that it has yet come up again but don't sweat the small stuff could be best described as the reason or the biggest benefit of not being on social media. Yeah. Because, yeah, if, if people don't remember the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, there was actually- It was a book? Den- Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was my little uh, piece of wisdom. 
You've been passing it off yeah, as your own yeah, for all yeah. this time. Uh, the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, uh, there was a, actually, that wasn't the entire expression. Okay. Uh, the expression was, Subtle Don't art. Sweat the Small Stuff. Oh, no. And then underneath it said, And it's all small stuff. Oh, right. right? Okay. Yeah, that's even better. And. Um. And mostly it is. I mean, of course, it's not all small stuff, but most of it is small stuff. Like, And most of what we spend our days getting angry about or passionate about or whatever it is, it, a lot of it you don't need to sweat. And I think that social media in particular made us so sweaty again because yeah. it took all this small stuff and it made it seem like it was big stuff because if they – because they need to keep you online all the time, right? So everything has to be big stuff. And so this is why I think your philosophy is so relevant to these times and such a great one to have and to talk about today because I think that so much of our life is small stuff, but there's this whole infrastructure now that is making it feel more than ever mm. like the small stuff is actually big stuff. Yeah, well, it's harder to escape it, I suppose, isn't it? There's right? the extra pressures from from different angles. And that's the thing, I suppose. Every, yeah, you know, when you said everything is small stuff, I suppose when you think in the in the, in the if you think about it, like you're gonna die one day, and you know <laughs> it might be sooner than you think. Then you're kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, it's perspective, right? Like it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. Like everything is small stuff. But I, I I'm I more mean like you know sometimes when there's like little things at work and you're kind of like, oh, but you know what? In the scheme of things, like who cares? Like just like let go of that stuff. You can't like let that eat away at you, and especially. You know, when it, like for me, I'm get, getting married at the end of the year and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll start a family one day, which excites me, but I, it's been nice as well. Like growing up a little bit and like work is such an important thing to me and, and always has been, but it's nice, you know, the, the last few years, I feel like I've been able to switch off a lot. Like when I'm sort of like done at work, I can be like, oh yeah, like that's, you know, that can be left there and I can just enjoy my life and, and do me. And, and you find like, it's actually kind of like, it's better for your work sometimes because if you're like constantly thinking of like, oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, what, what can be funny? Or like, what can, what can I do then? Like, you know, you're struggling to have ideas or it's forced and it's, it's not great. But when you're just like living your life and just spending time with friends and the people you love, like things are popping up all the time. And you just, when you're seeing them like beach balls, that's when you're in a good spot. I reckon when you're sort of in that flow state so that's really interesting to me as a creative <clears throat> what you're saying because there, there used to be this cliche of you know comedians all talking about like you know things that happen at the airports or you know airplane food being bad or whatever and the practical reason for that is simply that comedians spend a lot of time in airports mm, yeah and airports are a bit weird so it, it turns out that you end up talking about things that you see and you know and often that yeah, you know, if a comedian's been on tour a lot, they're not doing a lot other than shows. So they have bad gig stories and they have bad travel stories, and that is pretty much all that they have for their show. And they're not filling up the bucket. They've emptied out the whole bucket, and then there's nothing left in the bucket. What you're talking about, which is absolutely true, which is trusting yourself that if you go and do something, you will notice what is interesting or you'll be in a new environment so you'll be provoked to a new thought you wouldn't have had at home yeah. or you'll have an experience or an argument with someone or someone will bring something up that that'll be the thing you do on the radio tomorrow. You've just got to go out and trust that if I go and do something and then 
have my eyes open, that will actually lead to something we can talk about. And just right? like everyone's doing that, right? Like you don't have to be on the on on the radio or be, be a stand up to to do that sort of stuff. Like obviously everyone's living life experiences and picking things up and being like, oh, you know, that's a good story to tell my mates later on or whatever. But it's just, yeah, that's such a such a better mindset to be in. Easier said than done. Sometimes, sometimes you know, you know, it sounds great in theory, but sometimes it's harder than than others for sure. Especially if well, you you know you're tired or you're a bit rude or, or whatever. So tired is something that I would love to talk to you about because I think that you're absolutely right. When you do predominantly breakfast radio, that's what we call it in Australia for any of our international listeners, like it's called different things around the world, morning radio, all sorts of things. But the majority of your shifts, I imagine, have been what, six o'clock starts to nine o'clock, as in like on air six to nine? Yeah, on air six to nine, literally never done another time slot. So it's been that since... Yeah, Ben and I started doing the show in 2014 and yeah, here we okay. are. So nearly a decade of yeah. like, you know, your work day starting, well, not your work day starting, but your on-air performance mm-hmm. day starting at 6am, mm-hmm. which means, because people are always fascinated by this, what time does the alarm go off? 3.50, so nice and right. early. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we get in at 4.30 because yeah. like, and then we leave, you know, around anywhere between midday to some days, some days are a lot longer than others, um, but yeah, normally just after midday, so it's not like brutal uh, by any means. Um, I mean, that still feels a bit, little bit late in the day, midday. Yeah, for me. <laughs> well, it's sort of like, I mean, like as I said last night, I went to a gig, so like didn't get to bed till like you know just before midnight, and then when that that's when the uh, when the alarm goes off, you're like, oh, kill me, especially when you know you got a got a long day coming up. But I suppose I suppose I was just sort of like. Kind of like the only job I've ever done, really. And like, um, you know, I, I know speaking for for Ben, like he he's like your old man. He was a dairy farmer before, so he. And that's a lot harder work than being on the radio. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I'm sure you've had, you've dabbled in both, and you would you would know yourself. But he was waking up earlier doing that and yeah. out. Well, get up cold. about the same time, but the cows don't make you a warm cup of coffee and this tell you it. what's been in on the news yeah, the night before. Yeah. And, and you know, the cows don't say, "Good news, we're talking to Ian Botham this afternoon." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. So, um, and and it's obviously something that you know I'm super passionate about, and that's. It's always kind of what I've wanted to do. I was doing it, doing it for free for years before, before there was any sort of, um, you know, money in it. And then to sort of have it as your job is kind of like the dream come true, I suppose. Okay, so that is interesting to me. Like the idea that it has been really your only job. I mean, there's yeah. been different versions of the job, but mm. being a breakfast radio host like has been your entire adult life. Which like, is really strange. As like, a it job. is kind of weird. Like it's like. And then I, I had like a very brief stint as a labourer, which I hated. I worked for my cousin and uh, he was nice enough to give me a job. And like, yeah, I, I sucked at it. I was so bad. And it's hard, you know, it's hard, it's, it's hard to be bad at like sweeping stuff up basically. But I was like, I was going around and just picking up cans from the work site because yeah. you can, you know, you recycle it. So you get your 10 cents back. So I was just had my, had my, um, had my uh, side hustle. Like cans. Yep. I actually, because you, you know, um, you get quite good money for copper. So yeah. I remember like I used to just like strip copper wiring and stuff. I spent most of the time trying to make money from making the money. This and, sounds like you were on the wire. Yeah. Not, yes. You had a part time job. Yeah. And I remember there was a guy like with a, uh, a Coles bag of like just like copper cutoff and I'd put it in my boot with the rest of my cans and he was fuming. Like when he got back on the side, I was like, copper, who's taking my copper? And I like had to like somehow get the copper from my boot back to the spot that I left it without this guy, you know, 
with <laughs> holding a Maximus bottle, bashing me like. So I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, that wasn't really cut out for me, but it is that strange thing where it's like, yeah, pretty much most of my working life has just been doing this weird job. But I suppose, you know, I suppose if you look at it, you know, in like a footy player sense, a lot of them that their job starts you know, around that sort of age, like late teens, early twenties, they're sort of thrown into that, that world. And then it's sort of, you know, it ends a, a little bit earlier. So, I mean, hopefully I can kick out a few more years yet. That's for sure. Okay. So I'm interested in where the radio dream came from. Like, I mean, age wise, yeah. like, I, is it, is it like Hamish and Andy? Is that oh, it's kind the Will of- Limo days. So we'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's uh, I suppose yeah. Hamish and Andy, um, obviously like a huge, huge influence uh, on a lot of people, um, in, including us. But I suppose it was is also that thing of just like to be honest, the the first like I I actually wanted to be the the goalkeeper for Liverpool. Will in the Premier uh, League, that was my dream. Um, and, uh, it didn't eventuate. It didn't eventuate, but I was, I signed up. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> sucks. But I sort of threw myself into that and then hung yeah. up the boots when I was like, you know, 17, chronic chafing. Could have gone pro. Um, but, uh, no, I just, I just sort of lost the love for it. But around that, around that time, I remember there was like in my, uh, community in like Tea Tree Gully, like in, uh, in, which is like half an hour out of the city in, in Adelaide in, in the burbs. Mm-hmm. They had this uh, flyer and it was like they were doing a community radio program and like they were taking three people from each like council, like the Gula council and the, you know, Teacher Gully council, whatever. And, um, and uh, I went and sort of did an interview for that. And it was basically, you know, it was just like a government thing or like a community initiative. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was just like a TAFE Cert 1 course. And I ended up teaching that course when I was like, you know, in my, in my teens. And that was sort of the in, and then I started. It was it was actually a, a, a girl I went to school with. Her mum was at the shops and saw my mum, and she said, "Oh, you know, I, I heard Liam's interested in radio. A guy I work with is like a, you know sells insurance sort of stuff. He has this community radio show on Fresh, which was a bit of a bigger radio station in in Adelaide, you know, in in the community sense." And, uh, yeah, that guy was Big Al. I don't know if you know Big Al. He's a, he's yeah, an Adelaide comedian, been around for years and, uh, man, legend. Like, so I was like 17 at the time and, uh, no, it, was, it would have been 16 at the time. And, uh, you know, I asked this, sent this guy an email. I was like, Hey, can I come in and sit on your show? And he was loving it. And to be honest, like he'd been doing it for so many years that he was kind of just happy that someone was there, you know, helping him out in the morning. So then I sort of started going in and helping him a little bit. And then, you know, he let me just go on the show with him. And, uh, yeah, I sort of met Ben after that, but, uh, and like, you know, I owe a lot to that guy as well, because from early days, you know, Big Al was one of those, those great guys. He was just like, yeah, you know, you can just, you can stay here and, and, and chop it up with me. And, and that was sort of my, my in, I was sort of away then. Like it was that weird thing of, you know, radio is one of those rare industries where you can, you can actually like work in it before you've, you know, you don't have to have a degree or anything. You can just sort of just do it tomorrow. Like if anyone, if anyone's listening, like, oh yeah, that sounds like a, like a good crack. Like I wouldn't mind doing that. Like just sign up for community radio. They let anyone do it. Yeah. Like I was doing. I mean, get it. Once you're in the building too, like the, the barrier of entry, because like, most of it you can learn on the job. Mm. You know, from being around. I mean, I remember Scott Dooley yeah, uh, at the Triple J days. Basically, someone let him in the door one day and he just decided it was a good idea to never leave. And I reckon yeah. for about six months, he just like wandered around the office and everyone was like, 
why is he here? Like, <laughs> what's he doing? And then eventually I think he just picked up how to do things and, yeah. you know, made his way into it. So, I mean, particularly being able to work a radio panel, like be in a studio, do a show, like all those sort of things are skills that you can pick up from being – in a radio studio. And for the record, I can't do any of that. I can't still I mean, neither, yeah. by the way. For the record, <laughs> yeah, I can't paddle yeah. either. But It's cooler. It's cooler not to, I no. think. <laughs> like, paddling is like pressing the buttons. But yeah, I still, you would think after this many years, I would know how to do that. But I just, very, yeah, all I have in control, like in front of me, is just my laptop. I'll just put some notes on that. And that's pretty much all I'm trusted with. Um, and then, Yeah, I remember, uh, the, uh, we've spoken about this on this show before. But uh, yeah. uh, so in the old days, uh, Adam's, like, so when we were at Triple J, yes. it was still CDs. There was a big CD library and uh, we had four minutes at the top of the hour for the news and Adam had had to go to the bathroom and he said look the only um, yeah if I'm not back by the four minutes he said all you've got to do is push this one button and it'll play the song that's already in the CD player you've just got to wait until the 804 and then just if it gets to that you push and he came back at 803 and found me already poised with my finger over the button staring at the clock <laughs> one minute out from it happening because I was so paranoid about getting this one thing wrong oh man yeah I I don't want that well you know and I, I know you're not you're not team anyway um you know Bell, Bell doesn't panel as well but Ben does but he's sort of like he likes it like he wants to be yeah. the, the guy driving the, the control car. yeah yeah which, yeah. Is, which is fine that's that's cool I think it's good to have somebody in that team who like I think I love on-air teams, and it's not necessary. There's heaps of great on-air teams where neither of the, um, you know, the, or neither or any of the people Press on the air buttons, are the panelists. Yeah. Like you know, they often can have a professional host. But I do love a show where one of the you know kind of main stars of the show also panels the show. I always feel like they have a unique feel well, to them. Well, yeah, and then they can like you know, it's fun. Yeah. Like when Ben can just play sound effects and that sort of stuff, mm. he can he can move through it a little bit. But yeah, that is that is an interesting role of the the panel op in radio, especially when you've got like a, a show with like four people on it already. And then everyone's talking, and then someone goes, <laughs> "Yes!" At the end, and they go, and you're like, "Hey, who's that guy?" Like, I, I always found that weird. It's not that like some shows the the panel ups like talking more, but yeah, I'm like, they're part of it. Yeah, but, but like when they're sort of not supposed to be talking, I'm like, top what? and tails. Yeah, yeah, what's what's the go with that? Right? It's just a weird. Fourteen past the hour. Yeah, <laughs> news. Have you ever seen that? You know, <laughs> that reminded me when you said you were looking at the clock with the button. Are you, are you familiar with um, Steve Coogan, like Alan Partridge? Yes, yeah, of course. One of the yeah. great one of the great things is like it feels just like a real radio joke because he's like he's he's doing like time for Alan's funny stories. <laughs> and someone tells a story and he's like, he's trying to time out to like the top of the hour to like get to seven o'clock. And someone's like, I lost the drill bit on the end of my drill. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. and he's looking up at the clock trying to like laugh for like 20 seconds. <laughs> what a funny story. News. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of like that sometimes. <laughs> oh man, that's the best. So, okay. So tell me about the, like the whole Ben and Liam thing though. So, cause I mean, obviously you've entered into like a friendship, a partnership, a work relationship, you know, with somebody early doors that has ended up very much sticking, yeah. right? Like, you know, like, so when you first like meet each other, did you know each other any other way? Or? Nah. So it was kind of that thing. He was sort of, you know, I mentioned the raw comedy stuff, like that sort of time in my life, he was sort of doing the same thing. So he was, and so we sort of saw each other at the, you know, the Rhino room, we were doing sort of gigs there and at the Cranker and we sort of were in the same scene and he, I was doing my show on the weekend with, with Big Al and, uh, and then Ben was doing his show with another guy and doing like a mid-dawn sort of shift. And then 
one day, uh, you know, his co-host was, was sick and I got asked to fill in and then we got to fill in on like a, like a drive show. This is on, on fresh, the, the community station. And then, yeah, just sort of, we just sort of hit it off there and then. And I suppose we were both like, I think it's rare enough to stumble into something that you love. And then like super rare to find someone who loves it as much as you and has the same sense of humor and also just the same hustle, right? Like we both wanted, even though he had his other job and I was sort of, you know, like, how was I even bringing money in at the time? I don't know. I was basically just living home with mum and dad, like doing, you know, I was, but I was really young and, uh, you know, maybe doing a few gigs here and there, but, uh, we both sort of decided that it was a thing that we really wanted to do early on, but even though there was like no, you know, there's no clear path or no real promise that we were going to get a job anywhere. We just, we were doing this thing for free and it seems like we just prepared more than the next guy sometimes. You know what I mean? Like we just sort of maybe just cared a little more, stayed around a little longer. And there was a lot of great people who, um, who, who worked at Fresh, but then there was, I suppose there was also people that had a lot of other stuff on in their life. They might've been a bit older. They probably couldn't give it as much time as we could. And, uh, yeah, then we sort of were doing just like one show a morning together. And then we did like two, two shows. We did like the, the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it was the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then there was like one team left who did the Monday and the Friday. And they sort of said, right, we're gonna like turn this into a job. And we're like, holy shit, here we go. Like this is, you know, we've really made it if we managed to do this. And I remember we actually, like we were sort of, the other team were really good. Um, and so... It, it wasn't a play, but it was, it, you know, we we were trying to be smart about it. And we sort of said to the station, there was only a limited amount of money, but we met another guy who was also doing some stand up at the time. And we were like, hey, why don't we cut you? We turn this two wage, right, into a three wager. And we you can become the producer, even though we had no idea what the producer, like we didn't even know what a radio producer was. We just knew like shows had them. Yeah. And they and so, so they, they sort of went for it. But then it, it obviously turned like a community radio minimum wage of two in, into like a quarter. You know what I mean? Like we were really splitting it down, splitting it yeah. down. And, uh, but yeah, we still didn't know, like that was, that was a great little team. We had like, you know, we had a, a lot of like a, a real vision, but we, we didn't really know what we were doing. Like even like with the producer. Well, like, so when you say you had a vision and you, but you didn't know what you mm. were doing, what was the vision? I think we just both wanted to to make the sort of stuff that we're into, like radio, like, you know, doing like skits and stuff. And they, they probably sucked. We still do skits. They probably suck a lot of the time. But like just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just stuff that's a Mate, little bit Sat- more. Saturday Night, like, Saturday Night Live does skits for yeah. 30 years and half the time they suck. Yeah, so they do, they it's do, okay. Yeah. I've never been, I, I know, that's controversial, but I've never actually been that big of a fan of that show. There's a few like great moments, but yeah. any given episode, I'm like, eh, you know, not for me. Anyway, so we, uh, you know, but that, that was that sort of like more, and we were like trying to get out of the studio as much as we could and just try and like, I suppose like, rattle cages and, and make some noise. Like I think we did this like guerrilla marketing thing when we first started where we'd um, like print big photos of our face off and go around and like stick it on the billboards of all the commercial <laughs> radio. Just do, you know, shit stuff like that or like, you know, yeah. and we, we went around and, and uh, there, were, there was one time where we thought, oh, we should do this bit called like breakfast on breakfast. So we get this producer guy, uh, Michael, we'd get him to call the other radio station and tell a fake story. And then when they moved to him, We'll be like, ah, it's actually us from, you know, Fresh. And we're simulcasting. So we're on SAFM and Fresh at the same time. And uh, just stuff like that where you could really, like, you couldn't really get into trouble because there was no, it felt like no one was listening. So, like, who cares, right? Just have a lash. And, uh, yeah, I loved that. You know, I think that sort of fed the 
addiction of it all. And especially when it was, you know, Ben was able to 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 quit the dairy farm. He's probably, you know, he was, would have been making less money than he was making, you know, milking cows. But it was kind of like, well, that was already kind of the first dream to just do it as a job. Yeah. And then when the Triple J thing came up, that was just like insane. Like that was well, just. Well, let's, before we get move on to Triple J, mm. I still want to just spend a tiny little bit yeah, more time yeah, at sure. Fresh because like you've spoken about it being community radio and absolutely it was community radio, but very much in the same way as Triple R is more than community radio in Melbourne. Fresh, in my experience, actually has quite a good l- listenership in Adelaide and is like a well-known community radio station. It's not – you're not talking about some, you know, absolutely nobody listening here. Yeah, People well, would have been aware of – This is this is true. Like, I, you know, it, it felt to us like we had – and if anything, yeah. we had probably the strongest bond we've ever had with listeners there because we literally had like – you know, there's probably a lot of young people listening and like Snapchat was a thing at the time. We had like a show Snapchat and we would be sending throughout the day like Snapchats to listeners and they're still listening like, – I, I literally bump into people in Adelaide and I'm like, <laughs> I remember the listeners like full name because it's just like, yeah. y- it's such a, you know, community <laughs> sort of thing. The first station I was on was uh, PBA FM in Salisbury, which, uh, so one, one of my um, bo- former bosses, Ben Latimer at Nova, he, he worked there. Richard Marsland started there. Um, so, which is, and that's like, out, that's close, that's in Salisbury. So that's out in the suburbs, yeah. right? Where I live. But that was your, that was your real Ridgy Didge. Like it was like the death metal Cajun cooking show. And after yeah. that, it's the, you know, <laughs> it's the Congolese drum line. And then Liam with, uh, you know, his comedy hour, uh, before Bruce with the best of the seventies. Um, and that, that was actually the lineup yeah. on Fridays. Um, that's not even really a joke. That's, it's, they, they have that's different, the like, so you could tune in at any time yes. and you're getting like you're getting music from yeah or it's just a completely different language you don't even know what you're listening to but i think those (laughs) particular communities like listen for those those bits but that's real community radio but yeah the triple r in melbourne there's sin uh fbi in 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 sydney like there's a lot of really cool stations that yeah you know it's basically it's the real deal you're doing the job and you could you could volunteer there tomorrow that's i'm such a big advocate for for people just doing that and giving it a crack so many people like message me all the time like how do you get into radio i'm like well you know, don't go to uni for it because there's no degree. Yeah. It's just like find somewhere that'll let you in the door yeah. and go in the door, and then then you can get in other doors because yeah. that's experience already, right? I've like seen, once you've been one place, you can get to the next place. And I've seen it's so cool seeing like I love seeing people that have enough hustle that like we we did Ben and I did a thing as well called Australian Radio School, which is a guy called Sean Craig Murphy in Adelaide. He runs that it's a course that people can do, and we always uh, we we did that, and then you know, two, three times a year, we'll go back to the course and we, we talk at that course and it's just like a fun thing. And like, it's crazy how I, I give it, I literally give out my email at the end of every time. I'm like, Hey, anyone get any questions? If you want to come in and watch the show, like whatever. And like out of like 20 people, like every time, maybe one yeah. person emails me and I'm like, that's insane. Like I don't, they probably didn't give a rat's about me, but I'm still like, if someone in radio, um, if you're doing a course mate. on radio and you're like, no, mate, I absolutely understand exactly what you're saying. Like, which is if you've given somebody that like you're you're in the industry, yeah. you've got a story about like success and how you can build yourself. Like what a great story, by the way. You did this course, like you know. I mean, to just use this example yeah, as the yeah, one. Yeah. There's 20 people in that room. 
yeah, however many of them want to actually be in radio. Let's just say even to be generous. Let's say only 10 do. Mm. It's weird that you're doing that course if you don't want to be <laughs> completely in radio. But let's just say yeah. 10 of the 20 do. At least all those 10 should be in your email inbox immediately after you've given them the email. Oh, 100%, surely. 100%. Right? Uh, and Ben and I hounded people for years. I know it sounds like annoying, but that's you kind of got to be. And like the, that, that's the one thing I found as well, like, everyone's pretty nice, really. Like, Australia is, like, it's pretty small, really, and everyone's sort of... At the end of the day, most people have got each other's backs. There's not You're not really finding many people who have massive egos, at least in my experience. Anyway, there's a few dickheads for sure, but most people are pretty genuine, and if you reach out and say, hey, I'd, you know, I'd really like some of your time, I'd like to ask you about this, this, and this, most people are like, hell yeah. So, like, Ben and I, we, we had a... When we were working at Fresh, we had, like, a one week off, in, we worked Christmas and we were trying to really get this thing going and we, you know, we stayed and we had our one week off and we were like, let's do this. We're going to go to Melbourne and Sydney and we're going to meet um, like all the, the heads in, in radio. We had a couple of emails here and there of people like, oh, you know, that's Sam Kavanagh's email or whatever, you know, we know he works with Hamish and Andy or that that's Gemma Fordham or that's, you know, Ollie Wards, he's Triple J. We got his details through Tom Ballard. So we we're just like sending random emails and, uh, it was awesome. Like most people, if you say like, "Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a kid from Adelaide. Uh, we'd love to fly to Sydney to have five minutes of your time." Like they'll give you two hours of their time. They're not going to be like, like most most of the people were in their office and they're like, "Right, what do you want to do? Like this is what you need to do. Do less of this, do more of that." And it was awesome. And that, and then that sort of, I, I I dare say that sort of put us on the radar for a lot of those stations that you know gave us offers at the you know within within six to 12 months after there was offers from different radio stations and we, you know, and then, and then triple J popped up and then that was like the, the, the one we went for, but it's, it's crazy when you, when you reach out how receptive people are. I mean, even, even working at, at the J's like Bryce and Cachetta are doing the show now and they're doing a really great job. But I, I remember Bryce, when you talked about like letting, letting duels in, but Bryce was like, Bryce literally worked the front desk when Ben and I, doing the show there and I was always like this guy's great like we tried to get him on as, as much as we could just because he had that like he was just really funny and he was just very humble guy who who just had that hunger like he he wanted to he wanted to do it right and there's so many people who just don't but I I, I feel like I could I could tell that guy was going to do that show at some point and he, he ended up doing it like not even that long after I know it's one of those amazing things isn't it that I think that people think it's all harder than what it is. I think that's the problem, right? Is that people think that you can't just access those people or talk to those people. I mean, like I've spoken to both Bryce and Conchetta mm. about that job, you know? Yeah. And I spoke to you guys and I spoke to Matt O'Kine and I spoke to Tom Ballard when he was going to take the job. Like, you know, the mate, idea... you're showing your age a bit now. Slow down. <laughs> oh, mate. I, <laughs> so, mate. I spoke to I... Robbie Buck. I spoke to Mick Waters. <laughs> I spoke I to mean... Helen and Mikey about that job. <laughs> I was going to say, that might be the one where we draw the line, but all the others <laughs> might actually be true, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being that there is that ability to access, you know, those people and to talk to them about it mm. and to keep that connection and... I think that people remember that they were you at some stage, you know, that Bryce, hopefully when somebody, you know, five years from now, if he's been doing that show for five years and someone comes to him, 
for some advice or for some, for a break he'll you know he'll be able to say yeah of course like because he went through that as well and somebody gave him some advice and a break as well so it's a cool connection to have so talk to me about triple j because this is interesting to me obviously you ended up doing a job that i had done and it, it was a long time ago it's 20 years next year since adam and i finished so reunion um, reunion tour oh mate we have thought about it we, in it. Fact, we have it. talked about it we we did a tour at the end when we finished. So initially, so the, our final show was at Manning Bar at Sydney University. Yep. Um, Which he, and, he's really tied up with, isn't he? I, yes. I, I had a mate when I was living in Sydney, one of my good mates there, Luke, he was like tied up. He didn't go to Sydney Uni, but he played um, like sport for the uni. And yeah, Adam Spencer was like always the host at the functions. I went to a few of the lunches and stuff and he, man, he has got that down pat. He is a pro. He, he sort of, he's like one of those guys who's like gets a few anecdotes about the right. particular the team best. and writes yeah. their names down and he's like, pow, 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 like he's just a the dad best. from the team or something. Just- the greatest of all MCs. Very good host. For those sort of things. Like he's just excellent at it. And I so we did our final show at Manning Bar. He kind of basically got discovered at Manning Bar. That's why we were there. Helen and Mikey were doing their show there, and they got him to do a weather list, as you'd be familiar yes, with. Yes. Uh, the idea of having to do the national weather, and they do little. So he just did a little maths jokes, I believe, about the the various weathers around that the country. That doesn't sound like and, him. <laughs> and they liked that enough that they got him on the show and that led to you know him obviously doing the show and me joining him. And so I said to him, we were having a chat about, he was on my um, uh, cricket podcast, uh, Two Guys, One Urn, and um, we were having a bit of a chat you know, off air about the fact that it's 20 years. And I said, oh, would you, should we do like a 20-year-on show at, at Manning Bar? But then I realised that in our final year, we actually did this national tour, which we called The Last Time, where – you know, people would come out and basically there would be a bucket of questions from the audience and we would just, you know, sit on stage and get drunk and, you know, answer all the questions. Yeah. It was a podcast before it was a podcast, you know. I see. And I said, well, maybe we could do more than just a Sydney show. I mean, maybe we could – I mean, I love the idea of 20 years after a show called The Last Time doing like never-ending story style, like The Last Time Part 2. Yeah, you know, tw- yeah. 20 years on. Oh, and man. actually – Getting the old show back on the right, you know that that nostalgia market. You know, all our fans are old enough now. Oh, they would come like in droves. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Yeah, anyone who's been near that building knows that that you know that show. Like we were, we're getting, you're getting texts compared to it on the reg. I'm like, come on, man. Like this. It finished in the nineties, right? I was born in ninety six, you know. Like, but like, that's the cool thing about Triple J as well. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, there is such a uh, a tight knit community around that, like that's kind of like, it feels like the biggest community radio station, right? Like it's it's got kind of got that community feel still on like a national level, and then it's been around for decades, so that people are so locked into it, and they have such a have such a care factor for it, and they there's not many radio stations where people would even remember who was on like five six years ago, let alone like who was doing the show when they were a teenager you know what i mean if they're in their 40s or whatever it may be let, so, let alone be holding on to the fact that those people who've clearly been out of the building for decades yeah. might still come back yeah, they might come reason. back it would be a weird <laughs> it would be weird it would be weird but i tell you what like it, you know and it, that's kind of that like cool isn't it because even when you think like even before social media and, and all of those all of those things like your your show at that time must have had such an impact on those people however however old they were at that time that it's stayed with them for for that long, which is insane. 
I think that there is a certain group of people in the Australian community, Triple J listeners in particular, who define what era of life they are by who was doing the breakfast show yeah. in particular on Triple J. Not always just the breakfast show, but particularly the breakfast show, I think. Um, so so how does that come about? I mean, I know you've probably told this story a million times, but for the sake of us having a chat about it, it's obviously really – like. What yeah? What happens? Like, how do you end up doing breakfast on Triple J? It's so it's funny. Like we when we did that little trip that we were talking about, we Triple J wasn't initially on the on the list because we just didn't have really have an in there. We didn't know like through a few people through radio, we kind of knew that person, knew that person, and that person's old boss was whatever. So we had a bit of a web going, and then yeah, it was Tom Ballard was because we would interview him when he would come in uh, to Adelaide for the Fringe, and he was always really nice to us, and we thought he was great and. So we, we texted randomly and said, hey, like, do you, could you get us Ollie Wards's um, email, who was, who was the boss at Triple J at the time? And so we were sort of there. And I think on like day of, we said, hey, like, you know, sent the same email. <laughs> we're from Adelaide Community Radio. Like, we'd love to come in. And he, he was like, yeah, sure, come sit in. And um, it, was, uh, it was Matt and Alex were, were doing the show uh, there at that, that time. And, um, I think they'd sort of gone home for the day. It was a little bit later on. So like Veronica and Lewis were there doing the drive show. They were on at the, at the time and it was Zan and Linda and, um, a lot of that crew that had been there for like a long time. And so it was all pretty cool to see behind the scenes where they, you know, they film like a version and whatnot. And we, and we had a, had a bit of a chat, um, with the boss and sort of just showed him, um, some of the things that we'd done and, and whatnot. And, and there, yeah, there was no interest. Like, in fact, he said like, you, you know, you guys, you, I think he, he literally did tell us that we wouldn't work there, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is fine. <laughs> That's fine. And I think at the, and, and I think at the time as well, like they're probably, you know, representation's obviously a big thing at the ABC mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, we're two straight white guys. We, we get that. Like it's not, and representation is important and they're probably looking for, for a bit of diversity. And, uh, and we, you know, so that was never really an option in our heads that we we were going to be doing anything there. Um, but I remember when we were leaving the building, it like popped up like Ollie, like the boss at the station has liked your Facebook page. We're like, Oh shit. Mm. I'm like, we got him. We got him now. Like, cause we, like we, <laughs> we, we, made, we prided ourselves every week in like, we would go out and do something. So like, uh-huh. it would literally, sometimes my mum would literally film stuff. Like it was, we yeah, were, we're right, out okay. there like, okay, we're, yeah, but you were doing something. We were doing, you were we were doing clearly, something. Yeah. Demonstrating that you were actually doing shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For yeah. sure. And then we, we had this email like uh, a few months after and they basically were looking for a demo and we're like, holy hell. All right. This is, this is exciting. So because we were still working at, uh, at Fresh and Adelaide, that community station at the time, what we would do is we, we would get in at like two in the morning um, when there was like no one around the radio station. And then we would like do show for Triple J before our actual show started. So, and then we like sent them that. And we, I, I, what I remember like listening to Zan, uh, you know, do a show and I'd like write down like the songs that she was going in and out of and like writing yes. big pineapple festival and like <laughs> stu- you know, stuff that I, I wasn't really in that world, to be honest. Yeah. I, I bec- I'm very in that world now. And I, I love, I love Australian music. I, I would say my music that I liked aligned with triple J, but it was like, I was into Kasabian and that sort of indie rock thing, Arctic monkeys. Um, but you know, I wasn't completely around the Australian music scene. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I was, but I, I sort of wrote that as a bit of a form guide. And so we basically, got those songs in and tried to, you know, instead of just like chopping up some breaks and sending it, we were pretending that we were on Triple J and saying, 
oh, this competition and they were doing Triple J bingos. Oh, that's another thing for Triple J. And like just trying to make it like sound like we were on the station. And I, I suppose saying all the festivals and stuff, Help them think, like, oh, yeah, this sounds like Triple J. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, that's don't, don't make them do that work for you. Well, don't yeah, send them something of, and then make them think, how would this sound on our station? Yeah. Let them know how it would sound on this. Well, station. yeah, that's kind of like, seems like 101. And also, like, Triple J is very, it's, 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 it's unlike a lot of stations where it's like, you know, you see people like, you know, doing impressions on TikTok and that sort of stuff of yes. it. So it's, it's easy to rip off. And it's funny. I love, I love that. Like, I remember, like, people tried to rip us. We did a bit one. Like, our first bit that people actually thought was half decent was um, uh, Triple M did this god-awful skit about Triple J. They're like, hey, man, like, Triple J, I'm smoking drugs, man. I'm like, what do you sound like a real dad? I'm like, here's some cool uh, new music for you on Triple J. And then it just went into... Um, it smells like Teen Spirit, which is like the biggest song of all time. I was like, could you not even like, I don't know, just find some random song on YouTube? You couldn't. Anyway, it was it was a really soft shot, and then so we we did a yeah we did something oh, back, which was Zipper and the Shit Stick, which was like mm-hmm. it was basically like yeah Triple M yeah Footy Beers, come on let's go. Oh, what are you doing there, Shit Stick? And, then, and you know we had this thing, and then and then after we were like talking about how like we hadn't you know smoked a cone for like at least two hours and then we went into scott green by um june rats um like after it um but uh i don't, I don't even know i'm just i'm just i love the smell no, of my own I, brew I, but I, under- I understand the point that you're making which is that like you the the idea of what someone thinks the parody of the station is like is you, that, that is so far away, like, you know, you're, you're from the real reality. And what you had actually done was instead of you trying to guess what a Triple J thing is, you'd literally listen to here is the way that – like, so you weren't doing cliches. You no, weren't saying, the oh, here's your cliche Triple J thing. You were saying let's actually listen to it, get a vibe for what they would do, and then create that atmosphere and see how we fit into this, which I just think is incredibly – clever like i you hear of afl footballers sometimes in fact we're recording a bit out of order so this will be outdated by the time people hear it but it doesn't matter like the calling collingwood in the afl have a big crowd and they're famous for all like yelling collingwood at the same time collingwood it's their big chant and one of the teams that was going up against them had been training like with PA audio of that being piped through so that yeah. they could replicate the pressure of the environment and it makes sense. Like I, that, that makes sense to me. What you'd done is a version of that. You'd been clever enough as kids to understand that the best way for you to make a Triple J style show was to create a Triple J style environment. Knowing what the, like leaning into that world, but not doing what that, you know, Triple M ad did, which was yeah, trying I'm- to parody something that is not what you're par- – like, I mean, you're parodying the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you, like – if you listen to Triple J, like, you know what it sounds like. And sometimes, like, I found it, like, it was kind of that thing that, like, took me two weeks. I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, my God, I love it now. Like, once you're in – once you're in it. And then, like, I haven't – literally haven't missed a Splendor since. Haven't missed a Falls since. Falls is off this year. That's probably good for my liver. Um, I'd probably need to grow up a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I needed the big day out to close. Like when it stopped, <laughs> oh, I was like, that was because I used to do all five big days out every yes. year. I would go from state to state with the tri- and go with to- triple J, like with doing yes. that. Yeah, so I did that with Laneway. 
And yeah. I, yeah, that is the closest I think I'll ever feel to like I'm um, a rock and roll star. Like I, a, I'm, I've been in Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide this week, and I'm absolutely fried after it. Like, but yeah, I, and I, I remember, like, I think I don't know if it was the first time I met you, but I remember speaking to you at a festival. I think it was, might have been Lane, might have been like my first Laneway. Yeah, I don't, do you remember that? I do, I do remember us having a chat at yeah, a festival. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. which one it is. But I was like, that's but... cool. Will Anderson goes to festivals. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, no. I, and then I remember, so they sort of, it was very much like a school assignment. Like it, it's, it was very simple with the Triple J stuff. Like we, we sent that and then they asked for another one. And every time they were asking for different demos, we were obviously getting more excited because we're like, it feels like there's a job on And were they the giving you here. feedback around the demos? Like, so yeah. every time, and that's the one thing I will say about um, our show, um, there's there's not a lot of star power, but uh, one thing we've always done well, I think, is is taking feedback on board from people who are better at it than us, <laughs> like smarter people in the radio world that we have gone, oh, yeah, no, I like I like that, and, and put it into practice like the next day. It's just I think we're, we're sort of coachable people and uh yeah that so that was sort of like it was kind of like they were handing us the cheat sheet every time they're like a little less of this a little more of this and so we were just refining them and refining them and refining them and then yeah i remember getting the call um it was actually my sister's last day of school and i was we were going to fa- have you ever been to faster pasta will no oh man <laughs> You're missing out. I mean, get down is, to is, faster pasta. Is every is everything I need to know about faster pasta involved yes. in the name? Yes, it's very much the clues in the title. It's, very, it's it's sort of. I'm pretty sure it's like um, pre-done pasta, and they chuck it in the you know in the well, in I the mean, That's the only. That's really the only way to get it faster. Well, this, so. is, this, this is true. This is true. But uh, yeah, it's very much a staple uh, in the five one two five Golden Grove. You, you know what I love about. A faster pasta is. I've just never associated pasta with something that I need to get in a rush. Yeah, it's like it yeah, feels. It's like, you know, it's, if anything, it's you like, want to take your time with pasta. Yes. Yeah, it's actually it's actually true. <laughs> it's like people have these pasta makers now, and it's like a yeah. whole. There's a process to it. You the know. eating pasta, the very nature of pasta, is like something to eat. At least like it should be lingered over. It the Italians, be. they yeah, right. they they're eating slowly. It's very social. It's a, it's a long meal. Uh, well, who's not looked at pasta and gone, we've got to, come on. Snap <laughs> <laughs> to do. Pasta, but it's fast. <laughs> anyway, I remember, um, you know, I probably didn't need a stop down. <laughs> but that's where we were. We were going for some ravioli milanese at Fasta Pasta. I was picking it up. And, uh, yeah, I had my sister in the car and yeah, got the call, uh, from, uh, our manager, Brad. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, oh my God, this is, that was like in, uh, whatever happens, uh, from, from when I've started in, in radio and, and when I eventually finish someday, I think that is the, the, like, kind of like the moment that's like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, I've been drafted in the AFL. It's kind of like, it's, it was the real zero to hero moment of like, wow, this is a real a real platform. And in hindsight, maybe we got that platform a little too early. <laughs> well, so this is where this becomes an interesting story because yeah. like, yeah, I mean, in a way you, I mean, I'm not saying you got it too early, but yeah. you were, you were young. I was, you were I was new 20, in your career. I was 20 years old. Yeah. And look, I've always had a theory that a youth broadcaster should be 
represented by lots of young people. You'd on think there. that I, now, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty controversial when I left. And again, I'm not telling other people how to, mm. you know, live their lives. And I have other opportunities and things to go to. So it's very privileged for me to be able to make these sort of decisions around what I do. But I was very determined that I would leave before I turned 30. Yeah, that right. was my big rule. Like yeah. I said, I loved it. It was my favourite job in the world. Could have stayed for another five years. But I always was like in my head, I was going, I'm going to leave here before I'm 30. And so, uh, but I was 30 when I left. Like I was 26 when I started, you know. So yeah, like nearly five years of doing the show, but left before I was 30 years old. But but even then there wasn't like a lot of 20-year-olds or 19-year-olds yeah. or 21-year-olds, like that age being on air and a lot of the audience was meant to be that old. Like, you know, at least in name, it is the Australian youth broadcaster. Yeah. It hasn't necessarily always been in reality when you look at the demographics and who listens and what the people on air have been. But the fact that they had gone for two young people, you talk about the fact that, yes, like two white guys, yes, right? But, but two young guys... And for a youth radio station, young wasn't necessarily something that they would do in breakfast. So I actually at the time was very excited about the fact that they had decided to absolutely good invest in – They got another in, dairy farmer in. This is good. Well, that's true. I didn't even know the dairy farm connection. <laughs> yeah, I would have uh, got to be honest with you, I might have invited Ben on first yeah, if I'd known no, there was no, the dairy farm connection. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, – so there's a whole bunch of things going on here, which is like that is – I was saying to someone the other day that that is a hard job at 26 to be doing for the first time and I'd been a professional entertainer at that point for a few years. Yeah. Um, I – the psychology of it, you know, working with another person. I know you two had worked together but you're now in – like you're now in the big leagues. Like people are paying attention to your working relationship and judging it. And Triple J, like I'll say what I know first and then you can feel yeah, in what yeah, you're part of it. But it might help a little bit for me to say some of this shit, which is that Triple J, the great strength of the Triple J audience is that they – and the ABC audience, you know, and I've worked with both of them over the years, is that they – you know, because the taxpayers pay for it, they feel ownership over it. And that is in some ways magnificent. If people like what you do on the ABC or Triple J, they'll follow you for the rest of your life. And that's a beautiful thing. As we've but it also proofs in the pud with the, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that a 20-year reunion 100% could be on the cards and would sell out if you did that tomorrow, you know, <laughs> because they've been with you that whole time. Yeah. And then there's other side of it, which is – that they also, if they don't like something, they will go out of their way to express what it is they don't like and why it is that they don't like it. And they absolutely feel like they have the right to do that. Now, Adam and I were on air before the world of social media, but uh, what a lot of people don't know about our show is we used to answer our own phones. Like we had one producer you know, outside, but if we got more than one phone call at the same time and we were in a song, either Adam or I would answer that phone call and talk to the person and see what was happening. So... You were pretty much on the front line for any feedback yeah. that was <laughs> coming your way. Unfiltered. Um, every day that uh, I was on air, no matter how beloved our show is, every day that I was on air, there would have been somebody who rang up during that time and said that we were shit or that one or the other of us was shit or that um, they should bring back Helen or Mikey or Paul McDermott or Flacco or the Sandman or whoever it was that they thought you know should be on air that wasn't you. That has been a pattern over the years. 
like Tom Ballard talks about it happening when he went there. You know, like um, Matt O'Kynes talked about it. Everybody who goes through that Triple J job, unfortunately part of it is that for a while it's pretty fucking rough as they compare oh, yeah. you to everybody else who's ever done the job. You, you are also kids and you are also in the age – of social media, which is something that I didn't certainly didn't have to look at or, or face when it was in my time. Um, so I've kind of set the plate for you know some of the the circumstances, the yeah. environment in which it is. Like what what was it like? Oh man, it was the worst. It really was. Like we got we got put through the absolute ringer, uh, especially going from you know as we said, we're coming from this Adelaide environment where we sort of it was very supportive. The people around the station were always like, oh, you know, go you guys, you, you know you're doing this thing, you're doing that. And I suppose the listeners as well could probably see that we were working hard and trying to do things each week and, and make this show and, and really cared about it. So, and, and I suppose we were sort of one of them because we sort of started, you know, they might've been listeners on the weekend here and there. And, and that's the one thing I will say about Triple J. They're quite good at, you know, that there is a lot of people who do work on the weekends and they've sort of pop up here and there and then they hang on, they've got the job. How cool is this? But they're sort of like a part of the family, but being two like complete unknowns, from Adelaide and everyone's like, ew, Adelaide. Uh, and then just being, you know, being slapped, slapped uh, there in front of the nation. It's, and then you're sort of trying to do your same sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a steep learning curve, but it's like, I mean, I, it's, yeah, I think it's been fairly well documented. Like I sort of I talked about it at the time, but um, yeah, I, it, it sort of was like the first month it was like, yeah, it'll pass. Second month, it'll pass. Third month, it'll pass. You know, we got through half a year. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're going to be turning that ship soon, huh? And then it was it was pretty much nine months of, like, just getting dogs abuse. On the text line, uh, one of the uh, one of the true disaster classes was we actually, so when we, we had our little, like, Facebook page, just say I had, like, 10,000 likes, and there was, like, a Matt and Alex Facebook page, which before that was the Tom and Alex Facebook page. So, of course, it made sense. When it was Tom and Alex, it changed over to Matt and Alex, and that would add, like, 200,000. So they were like, right, we'll get rid of that, your page, and then we'll move you onto. And we're like, sweet, 200,000 followers. Amazing. Uh, but that was like the worst thing we could have done because it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like if it was like your favorite restaurant and then they just all of a sudden changed the sign on it and the food's different and you're like, what the hell? Like, so people hated that. So that, but that's a lot of where it sort of stemmed from. I, I think a, a lot of those people were obviously they were the people who, physically chose to click like on the last show. That was their show, um, you know, who were great. But then when you've got all those people seeing your stuff, it's obviously going to cop a lot of heat. And I feel like just around that time as well, like it was, I don't know, social media is, it is, it is so brutal. But at that time, so I don't know, a lot of the Trump stuff, maybe like it just seemed extra brutal. And, and we I were, think, I think there was a time where, and look, I do think it is changing a little bit. There's yeah. been a reaction back from it, like not a full, you yeah, know, not a full backswing. But, but I do think that that there was a time when everyone hunted impacts, and it, you know, if we decided that something was right or wrong, that people there were these huge tribes that would be essentially gathered together to go on these missions of like you know all believing the same thing and prosecuting yeah. the same case and having a righteousness about it. That there was nothing. Well, I'm just. I'm just giving my opinion or this is just my feedback. We didn't realize at the start, you know, this was before J John Ronson, so you've been publicly shamed and people actually having a look at, you know, the ramifications that this unfiltered feedback, particularly negative feedback might have on people. And again, 
not taking into account that you're not Donald Trump who's like you yeah. know, running for president and he's on tape, you know, saying that he grabs women by the pussy. We're not like, grabbing. You know, We're not grabbing. We're just nice guys no, here trying to do a bit. Just some nice guys from Adelaide. <laughs> trying to do radio. Who haven't stolen the job off anybody. No. Like you've been you've been trying your best to do something. Like a station that, you know, supports, you know, young indie music musicians has taken a risk on I, – I, I agree with you. I think they've made a mistake by not having you in and introducing you to the audience and getting them used to yeah, and all those that's... sort of things. I think the station made a mistake clearly in, in not doing it that way. But that's not on you. That's not your fault. You're not the person – who and and you're not the person who should be receiving this feedback or this hate. Like if people don't like your show and they really are that passionate about not liking your show, then yes, they should ring the manager of the station or they could email that person or whatever. But they don't need to tell you, a kid who's just trying to do oh, your man. best to it entertain was, people every it morning. It's the fucking worst. Oh yeah, and that, and that, it played a lot of my mental health. And I suppose that was my, you know, I was very lucky. I had a you know great upbringing. Um, great childhood and um yeah that was probably it's definitely the hardest thing i'd had to to deal with and how uh, did you deal with it though man i i didn't really like i just sort of i you know i spoke because to you're my also family, tired like, and living in a new city yeah, and well that's like yeah, all, sort of other just, things at, at the same time i had great housemates my housemates were a little bit older they were sort of in their early 30s uh and they they were both lovely girls and they sort of i talked to them a lot which my parents like. I didn't have a partner at the time. Like, even now, I think that like Ben was with his his wife Sam. He's he's expecting a baby soon. I didn't. I hadn't like met Sarah yet. Now, like I find that so easy. That's I've always got that person to just go home to and just vent. And like we'd, you know, have that. So I didn't have that at the time necessarily. So it was there was less support, especially when you get home, sort of lunch, and then yeah, your housemates are getting home way later. All your mates are back home. They're doing apprenticeships and you know, uni or whatever it may be, there was less of a, a a support. And it was also just that shame. Like when people did see it, it was like, oh, f-. you know, like mates would text me like, oh, don't worry about that thing. And I'm like, fuck, they saw that. Like, that's so embarrassing. Like, oh my God. they. I even remember it was so bad like that my year 10, like a teacher, like a maths teacher had found me on Facebook and she was like, hey, don't worry about those people. And I was like, oh, fuck. I know that you, is, you really think fit. you are helping. Yeah, but. I know. Once my nana was in the comments like, oh, how, you oh. know, like, don't be so cruel. And I was like, they're like oh, drilling my nana. No. Like, these yeah. people are savages. And they're like, it, the, the, <laughs> the real ones were when they would like, it was like a DM and it was like, it's always the same. It's some gronk profile and they got like three followers holding a fucking fish or there's a, you know, a car you know, doing a burnout and, uh, you know, they're those really targeted ones. And there was people, you know, saying I should take my own life and and that sort of stuff. And that, that was, that really screwed with me. And it got, got to the point where like, I, you know, I was getting really anxious and I was just depressed about the whole thing. And then I, I did speak out about it on, uh, are you okay day? Just, it sort of built to it. It was never like a really like a planned thing. Like, Oh, I'm going to wait till are you okay day? But it was just, that's sort of the day, you know, that, that, Nationally, globally, you know, people are uh, told to check in with their mates and that, and that's what it's all about. So we l- simply asked each other the question and that's when it sort of, you know, boiled over and uh, I, I pulled my guts out a bit and it was the craziest thing. It was, you know, people talk about that, um, like weight lifting off their, their shoulders. It, it very much so had that effect. So much so that I was super nervous 
I was like, oh, okay, this probably buys me a couple of weeks and then it's all going to come back or like, you know, and I was kind of like waiting. Oh, it's been a few months. Like they're probably, you know, and it ne never came back on that mass level. Like I remember there was like a, uh, like maybe a week before that there was a post and it really pissed me off. It was one of those, it was a wall post that someone had put up and some of the stuff they were saying, I was like, that's not, that didn't even happen, man. Like that's, they were like completely you know, tearing apart this particular break. We were talking to the guests and we spent the whole time trying to, you know, think of a nickname for them instead of that. And I was like, it was like, you know, 30 seconds of banter at the start of a chat. And then we talked to them about basketball. I can't even remember who we were speaking to. Some Australian, it was maybe an Australian basketball or something like that. And then that got like tens of thousands of likes. Basically the, the sentiment of it was like done, you know, sack these goons, get rid of them. And same deal. I was out and a mate texts me. He's like, don't worry about that wall post. And I was like, what wall post? Oh, and then God. I was like, fuck. <laughs> you, your mates have got to stop <laughs> yeah, telling you to not worry about me. <laughs> I'm like blissfully unaware. <laughs> but, uh, and I remember like, I was like walking home and reading all the comments and I literally didn't sleep from like that night before the next show. And I was just reading it, all these comments, like comments, comments, brutal, like paragraph long. And I just... It, it absolutely destroyed me. And I'm sure it did to Ben as well. He's probably, I'm a little bit more of a heart guy. He's a little bit more of a head guy. And that's sort of, that's just our personalities. And he does open up sometimes. It's extremely rare. <laughs> but he is probably not a, as much of a heart on his sleeve guy uh, as I am. But yeah, when I, when I s spoke about that that morning, it was insane. Like I still, I, I haven't ever read them back, but I kept all the texts that came through that day. And there was like, hundreds of pages of people like, you know, sharing their stories and things that they dealt with. Uh, and then there was also what struck me, there was people apologizing and being like, oh my God, like, I feel terrible. Like, I, I'll put my hand up and say, I was one of those people that like, yada, yada, like sometimes we don't realize that the people behind the mic or the screen or whatever can hear those sorts of things. And that, I remember Tom Tilly was doing hack later that day and there was people coming on apologizing. Like it was like grown women and men being like, oh, you know, I was, I was bang out of order, like yada, yada. And then even like half an hour after the show, there was like a call of like, oh, that, that was the first time I was ever on the, the project. They're like, oh, the project wanna, and it was, it had such an instant impact so quickly. Um, and then I like went on, yeah, television that night and, and spoke out about it. And it's still probably one of the main things that people every now and then, if there's a really you know, meaningful conversation I've, I've had with someone if I'm out and about, they'll say, hey, mate, I remember that time you spoke about that and that helped me talk to someone about this or that. And that sort of really, you know, hits you for six. It's really impactful and, you know, I, you know, it's sort of not like all the show is speaking real like that all the time, but it's funny how you spend so much time, like, you know, writing little parody songs and stuff and you're like really the the time I really just spoke from the heart was what had the most substance but I'm, I'm sort of happy to say that like you know since then I really haven't been in a in a place that dark as well like yeah obviously everyone has has bad days but for the most part you know that was just such a mass thing that I was dealing with in my life and I'm sort of in a way I wouldn't I wouldn't wish it upon anyone but I'm sort of glad that it's sort of I think I feel like I had to grow up a lot from it, and it sort of thickened my skin up. And now going into oh mate, you were like, I mean, you were forged in iron after that. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. you went through the worst, and then you responded to it. In I mean, I think it's so nice to hear you talk about it in this way. By the way, like I'm glad that this is 
what your memories are of it now, like that it has made you stronger and that you recognise that speaking your truth resonated with so many people and mm. that you talk about the fact that there was so many people who did and that it did get better after that. And then like that, sometimes saying it, just so that you go, because you believe it. When you read it, yeah. you believe it. And you think this is what everybody thinks. And when, when, even when your maths teacher or your friend is saying, don't worry about that, what you're hearing is they think I'm shit as well. Yeah, not, exactly. you, don't, you don't hear the bit where you're saying, don't worry about it, or nah. they're saying, I love you. Like You believe the negative criticism. You, uh, To me, I talk about John Ronson's book. Like I, There have been some iconic moments, I think, in this – hunting as a pack version of what social media became for a while and still can be at its worst. And I look back on that as being one of the big moments. I think early on that was genuinely one of those moments where people hadn't been speaking publicly about the enormous toll something like this could take yeah. on people. And like because it, like you, you almost felt like you had to suck it up, that it wasn't okay for you Absolutely. to say that I'm not coping with this or this is unfair or this is inappropriate or this has crossed the line. You know, this it's gone too far. And the fact that you did, so uh, you talk about the idea that it wasn't planned, you know, you were just asked that question, you know, are you okay? And you answered honestly. Could you, did it change you as a person, do you think, that oh, yeah. moment? Absolutely. It, it, it really did. And it's sort of, I know I sometimes, you know, I feel strange talking about it because it's such a, it's a unique situation. I don't want to sort of sound like, oh, as soon as I spoke, everything was okay and everything's magic oh, after that. No, like, I, I don't want, you know, to have. It's not what you're here for, mate. Well, no one thinks, no one thinks that every one of these stories, like, yeah. I like people to take what you can out of well, this. that's it. That's it. <laughs> also, if you are ever on Triple J Breakfast in this <laughs> yes. exact same scenario <laughs> and this happens to you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely the weight, the weight of that, just, um, just the huge relief and release after it was, was incredible. And I do, I do think I, you know, it's probably, it's not just that day and that's like, oh, that's the day I grew up, you know, it's like, it's probably that whole year. And I, I, I really wouldn't change it if I, if I could, I wouldn't change it. Um, I think it, you know, for, for, it, it made us grow, grow up a lot and I think it, it probably helped a lot of people in different ways. And in another way, probably, you know, in a selfish way, probably just did connect us with that audience very, very strongly in that, in that, in that sort of point. And that was probably a bit of a breakthrough moment, you know, for us just in, in our radio lives as well. And just, and just probably maybe just gaining a, a few people that morning going like, oh man, these, these are just real people. And like, I suppose that's what you're always trying to do. You're trying to like, you know, in anything you do, whether you're just, you know, posting on TikTok or you're making music or you're trying to connect with an audience in, in some way. But it's funny. Also, here's what I mean. I, what I would say, sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you then, but my external observation, yes. like, of some of this is you're young kids. You're, you're trying to – you've been thrust into this thing that no one as young as you has ever been asked to do. You compared against, you know, this station where do people do remember who came before and all this sort of stuff. So that's hard already. You know, you're the new kids and you are absolutely kids. But secondly, you're kids. And when you're at that stage of your career, what you actually are trying to do, and I was the same, is you try to pretend you know more than you know, like because you don't yeah. want to be found out, right? This is true. So there probably was a, a sense when you were on air that the two things you weren't really showing a lot of were like authenticity, vulnerability, 
Right? You know, these things that you know now as a broadcaster are super important. As my brother said to me, my dairy farmer brother Ross said to me after this year's comedy festival show, which is kind of about my social anxiety that has developed during COVID and over my life. He said to me after the show, which I, it's my, I loved, he just goes, uh, vulnerable, authentic. Good, strong brands. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Hot words. Hot words. <laughs> it's, but it, yeah. connecting your audience, like you had this moment where you're authentic, you're vulnerable, and suddenly you, you, you know, people can connect with that. It's, it's that thing. I, someone explained it to me once as like no one likes that guy at the party who's like always cracking gags. And it's, I, do you know what I mean? Like it's like if you have a friend, uh, you know, who's like, pissing around all the time, of course you're not going to feel like you can trust them as much as another friend where you feel like, oh, I can actually talk to them about this stuff. So, and I, I kind of get that. I'm like, yeah, not like we're always having these um, heavy conversations or important conversations, but it's sort of like, yeah, you do need to be a real human sometimes on air. And I suppose, like, to be honest, like, you know, I probably need to remind myself of that sometimes because most of the time we, we are just trying to keep it fairly light and bright informative, have fun with whatever's in the, in the news that day. And that's, to be honest, how I live like most of my life. So that is also in a way me being genuine and authentic. One thing I will say as well is when, you know, I, I mentioned that time and when everyone was reaching out, I remember your email, Will. I don't know if, even know if you remember sending it, but you sent a, a really lovely email to me uh, years ago and, I, and I'll always remember that. And that was like, yeah, that was very big for me as well. Um, having someone who'd, who'd sort of been there before, and saying like, "Hey, mate, you know this this happened. This happened to me, and it, and it will it will sadly happen again. But it's like you're not alone in this. And yeah, that that was uh, really really impactful. So I appreciate that. Well, that's the other thing that's sometimes hard to remember when you're going through something like that mm. is that it's you know intergenerational trauma when it comes to oh, <laughs> Triple J. You feel a bit linked <laughs> in a way, like <laughs> when, yeah, when you're new, like you know people don't like you for whatever reason yeah, and that's yeah. you know but so this if anything was going to put you know you off a career in breakfast radio this experience would have been the one to do it so clearly was there ever a point where you thought about just walking away from it never <sighs> nah never i yeah i it, you know it felt like we were like banging our heads against a wall but i think we just you know we we have a i think we were in it and are in it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that maybe would sometimes people, you know, they get opportunities that they can't, you know, so you hear that. It's like, Oh yeah, I didn't even really want to do it. It just sort of happened and whatever. But I, I suppose like we'd always had this passion for radio and genuinely wanted to try and make the best radio we could. So I uh, sort of, what, what fuels us is, is quite pure. I think like, it's not really, you're not like there for money certainly the wrong game to get into if you want the fame because it's, you know, it's radio guys. I'm sorry to tell you, like you're better off just doing TikTok or something like that. Uh, but it's, it's just cause we purely want to just get better at the craft. And it's something that I suppose we just obsessed with and we've all um, dedicated our, our lives to that's, that's, you know, the, the, the producers behind the scenes, Bell and Ben and myself. So, um, we, you know, we've certainly got a lot of good people, um, surrounded around us, but yeah, that never really crossed my mind. Uh, I must admit. And it was, it was, and we had two really great years, um, after that. And I suppose sometimes it's that thought of like, you know, some people's memory might be like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, like they were the ones that got drilled right. <laughs> I remember 
Once, uh, <laughs> I was in the toilet once. This guy was like, oh, you're that dude who like cried on Triple J. And I was like, yeah, yeah I suppose I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I I'm, so. like, I'm fine with that. Also, I remember, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember, <laughs> I reckon it was like soon after that. We did our first, like we hosted, uh, we, no, I didn't host, we did, we did like one little bit at the, um, the Arias and there was a lot of like industry sort of things happening around that time. And I remember there was like a party and it was like, it was like, oh, Lord's going to be at this party and, and Lord was at this party and, uh, Khalid, one of the artists, and there was just a lot of radio people there. And, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember I was at the bar and Kyle Sandlands, <laughs> he, he said to me, he's like, yeah, mate, I like that stuff you did, the crying stuff. I was, like, I was like, thanks, mate. <laughs> I was like, that was actually, <laughs> it's actually quite nice. Even what I will say about Kyle, even Kyle, obviously pretty, um, you know, di- diver- di- am, am I saying the word right? D- diversive character? Divisive character. Divisive. Divisive. Yeah, sorry. he's divisive. It's fair to say. Right. Look, I mean, I don't think it, you, you can... Uh, Pretty simply say that he's got a few blemishes on. Oh yes, yeah. so that's pretty safe. I don't think that's. Uh, yeah, I think I will. Yeah, I don't think. There. However, yeah. uh, you know that aside, they were also two of the people that we were like, oh, we we messaged Kyle and Jackie O when we were doing community radio in Adelaide, and they let us sit in on the show, and they both stuck around and spoke to us for like half hour after the show, which you know, if if deep down they weren't good people or like cared about radio as well, I'm like sure they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done that. Well, they're a good example, I think, of radio people. They're very, right? they're, they're, so, they're, they're, I mean, yeah. regardless of what you think of their show, and I think mm. I've been pretty public about what I think yeah, of yeah. the sort of entertainment <laughs> they make, but I don't think we need to yeah, back over fine. that for the sake of this it. conversation. But yeah. I but I agree, they're radio lifers, right? Yeah, they're, they're people who've gone, what we love most, yeah, they've both hosted TV shows and done other things like external to the radio, but they're radio people. They make a radio show. So I'm interested in your radio philosophy because I'm also conscious of like, you know, the, the like the, we've been talking for 90 minutes already and, uh, you know, we it still haven't got like to it. like – it's fun. It's really nice to talk to you about this. And we haven't really even got to the idea of, I mean, talking about big shoes to fill. Like you went from, so you went back to like Adelaide to do Nova Breakfast in Adelaide. You ended up at the end of last year, one of the most iconic, again, radio shows in the country at the time, which was Sam Pang, Jonathan Brown and Chrissy Swan were doing breakfast uh, in Melbourne and they decided to finish up. And uh, again, like in a way there must have been at least some similarities to what the Triple J experience was in that, I mean, I know you were much more established as radio people by this stage, but you were still going in after this very iconic show that not just in radio sense, because not all those people are necessarily, you know, people who've been in radio forever, but Mm. big names in the Australian entertainment industry, you know, household names. Jonathan Brown, one of the biggest footballing identities in the country. Chrissy Swan, one of the most popular personalities. And Sam Pang, probably the most popular, you know, sort of comedian in the country. And so... It is still that idea of going in after like such a hugely identifiable show. Yeah. Well, what I will say is, yeah, uh, yeah, Brownie's he's won three premierships on the trot. Pang is, you know, arguably one of the best comedians in the country, and and you know everyone loves Chrissy, but uh, you know it was still a big get to get the two guys who did the Vicks vapor drop ads and their producer. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely. Uh, Rule us out there, Will. I mean, there is a bit of star power. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I and I think, 
I think once again, coming back to that, oh no, here it comes again. Like obviously uh, coming back into Adelaide was, it was, you know, there was a, a great show there before us as well, but it was definitely easier being like, oh, hometown guys coming back. Like yeah. it was sort of, we were all from Adelaide anyway, and there's a bit of Adelaide love yeah. and and we really gave that a run for our money and um, yeah, managed to do a ride in Adelaide and we had a lot of fun. So we weren't really expecting this gig when it, when it came up for, for Melbourne, but yeah, that's definitely like, you know, one of the big ones for sure. I think in the radio world, we sort of, where you thought community radio was like the biggest thing. And then you get to public radio, you know, in the, in, with the ABC and then you realize like, oh, they don't really care about community radio. And then like, to be honest, like we thought like this was probably the biggest gig we'll ever do. And Triple J is obviously incredible in, it, in its own right. But then moving into commercial radio, like, oh yeah, they don't really care about public radio because they're not making money off ads. So they don't really care about them. And then, you know, and then, and it's sort of, when we were in Adelaide, it was all, Yes, it's very East Coast, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Breakfast, National Drive, they're, they're sort of the shows. So when this one came up, we're like, Christ, here we go. Yeah, it, it, it popped up and I was sort of expecting probably a fair bit of heat, but to be completely honest, it's been it's been really lovely so far. Um, I think maybe it's one of those things as well, like, you know, I, I probably owe it, to, owe it to a few things. It's probably like, once again, that Facebook thing and, you know, we, we, we weren't taking anyone's social media or whatever. We've, you know, now got all our followers that we've brought from like three radio stations before over. So a lot of your stuff is getting posted into that safe space where people are already sort of vibing what you're doing. I don't mm. check the Nova 100 socials. God, no, I'm not an idiot. I got rid of Facebook <laughs> back in 2017. I don't need to look at that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, there's no text line in front of your face. And also, uh, you know, you would know this as well, you know, working on both sides of the coin, like Triple M and Triple J, like, there obviously is a huge audience there, but the listenership probably has less ownership over the, you know, the hosts and what they're doing. And there's, I would say there's like, you know, a ton of listeners, but they are probably, ha- you know, if they're not enjoying what you're doing that morning, they may be happy to, to flick. There's in yeah. commercial radio, I feel like there's probably less lifers like rusted on, like been here since the start. They're definitely out there, but it's, it doesn't have that sort of tribal thing. Like you see a lot of people with, the drums tattooed on them, like, you know, double J, triple J, they've got the tats and that sort of stuff. And you don't, you don't see many Fox FM tattoos. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, but, um, and then someone's had to cross it out cause they've changed it to hit yes, yes, network. Yes, and true. then they've had to cross it out again because they went again. back to the original branding, the we, heritage branding. We had Nova boy. We got rid of him. Nova boy is back. You, you, you've already lasered that tattoo off. You're going to have to get it again. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I, I obviously have a big um, uh, tattoo of the monkey who used to choose the music at Triple M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the cash cow Bar- on my Bar- back. Bury uh, the monkey. Bury the monkey. That was always one of my favourite Triple M cam- campaigns. There was a, the, the the whole campaign was around bury the monkey who allegedly was choosing the music at the time. Oh, I always thought that was a great pitch to your audience that a monkey chose the music <laughs> randomly. <laughs> Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's been um, yeah, it's been really cool so far, and I think a lot of that is uh, you know, having that support network as well. Like I've sort of, as I said, I've got my beautiful fiance Sarah, who I love dearly, and she's you know she's moved for my job now to three different states, and you know that's something that I'm forever grateful for, and you know I know uh, Ben and Bill are in the same boat. Um, and then 
So I've got that support network. Even we got got to bring our dog over. We've got a little cavoodle, Toby. He's there. So when I go home, it's very much the same as when I was going home in Adelaide a year ago. And then, you know, the the nucleus of the team, if you will, is is um, uh, is that a name of one of your shows, if you will? Like any, you know, posters? Uh, not yet, okay, but it's on the list. You can use that. You can use that, mate. Um, but uh, so like Ant, uh, producer Andy, who who um, started with us last year, he sort of moved over with his wife as well. And then you've got Belle over who we've worked with since like mid Triple J, sort of the second year of Triple J. And then um, Ben and uh, we've got a new great team around us. And there's some other certain people who've sort of moved over from, from Adelaide as well um, in that wider sort of team role. So for the most part, most of my day is very similar to what it was in the sense that I'm like hanging out and having fun with my mates at work doing, doing what I was doing and then going home and having a very similar environment. So it hasn't rattled the cage as much. And then plus just being a bit older, right? Like, um, yeah, I turned, turned 27 yesterday. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so you know what I mean? (laughs) It's funny. That's funny that you're 27 because, Mm. like, it really feels like you've been around forever now. Like, does it feel like that to you? Uh, It doesn't. It doesn't. I know know it rattles people because I think it's the Triple J thing, you know, that's like, what, like seven years ago now when we started. But then even though in, in Adelaide we were doing a lot before that, but it's just that weird thing, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, you've been, when, when did you start stand up, Will? Uh, nearly th- next year will be my 30th year. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. So, and how old were you at the, at the time? I won't do the math. Uh, uh, no, no, well, I'm 50 next year. Okay. People can do okay. the maths yeah, all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, that's, that's it's fine. It's all on the public record. <laughs> None of this is secret information. Yeah, but I suppose it's that weird thing when you think, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was doing a kind of. It'd sp- be weird if I said we finished Triple J 20 years ago earlier in the conversation and yes. then it was like, yeah, I'm 32. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we, uh, I suppose we're like from like, you know, I suppose if I was giving this a crack when I was 16, that's sort of, that's where the weirdness comes from. But I, I still, we, we talk to people like there was uh, these great guys swagging the beat. I don't know if you've seen them on um, TikTok. They're like, they're huge on social media and they they, they crush it. And we I'm, have, fi- I'm nearly 50 next year. I'm not on TikTok. You know, you know the swag on the beat? <laughs> Can't, man. <laughs> they know the method. No cap. Um, but uh, uh, we, we had a chat with them and, uh, you know, we're sort of like asking them, they're doing like a live show and, um, you know, we were really impressed with their stuff. So we, we, we got them on, we made a video with them and, and uh, yeah, they were asking before, they were like, oh, like, so hey yeah how old are you guys and and then like you could see that they were like what the the guy one of the guys was like but you'd been around for so long I think people so just think long. we're just like and you look like you're like forty you're disgusting look at you you've been waking up at three fifty for like your whole life like oh, damn um, but yeah that's where the weirdness comes from but that you know I I would love to in a in a perfect world I'd I'd love to be doing this for many years to come and that's one of the cool industries where you can sort of be in it for a long time like there's there's well, I mean, you've sta- you you you've started you know young as well. Like, I mean, you've got established careers. You know, very young that you have this opportunity to. I mean, like, I mean, ideally, going to a place like Melbourne to do Melbourne breakfast, you hope that's a long term job. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. A, you don't want to you cook know, it for a city. You want to be, you know, for the sake of a city. When they put someone in in that slot, they want them to be there and to be the like the people that you wake up with every morning and. 
How have you thrown yourself into the city? Because one of the things that I would always be admiring of when I go to Adelaide and see, particularly when you're at Nova, was how much it felt like you both owned Adelaide. Like you, you know, you always seemed to be out in the community doing things. There would be, it very much felt like your radio show was part of the city's conversation. So now you, you, that that made sense. It felt very natural. You're from there. Yeah, you you do understand that city, but you don't want to throw out that template when you go to a new city. I imagine because that's sure. part of yeah the charm of how you make your radio show. So how do you adapt that method to a brand new city? Well, uh, for starters, like Bell is from Melbourne, so that that helps a lot. And I, I would say um, you know Adelaide as much Melbourne folk would 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 wouldn't agree with me. Adelaide and Melbourne are more similar than you'd think. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Like it, they're both like <laughs> real, you know, footy towns. I feel like yeah. Melbourne has a, it's weird to say, but like a great, a great sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like Melbourne can take a joke, I feel. And, uh, I, I feel like they're similar in that sense. And I, I must admit, I didn't real. I know Melbourne's a footy city, obviously until like living here during footy season. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't actually get how crazy this is. Like. Went to a game on the weekend. It was like a mid-table clash. There was 90,000 people there. Like, is this is this for real? Like, no one pulls that those kind of numbers. That's, you know, it's incredible. It's it's, it's, it's hard to fathom. So um, It's funny, though, what you've identified there because I just never really thought of it. But it's, it's probably much harder to go from Sydney to Melbourne than it is to go from Adelaide to Melbourne because you have such a huge part of the language of Melbourne is AFL football. And if you understand AFL football and you can speak the language of AFL football, you're almost three quarters of the way there that's, on any other conversation you'll have in Melbourne. That's it. And I, I'm like, I am a, I'm a Premier League guy. I've got a Liverpool tattoo. I actually got to take my, my dad's from the UK and for his uh, 60th earlier this year, I uh, took him over and we went to see Liverpool play a few games because we've, you know, we've grown up watching the games together. And, and that was like, so I've been having a bang a year, to be honest. I, by the way, this shouldn't surprise me, but the revelation that I am much closer to your dad's age than to your age is just something that's very confronting. <laughs> I will be calling you daddy for the rest of the interview, if that's okay with you. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, but I'll, and so I like, but I would say AFL is like firmly my second sport and I, 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 I like it. I just don't have that team that I'm, you know, super passionate about. I was probably grew up in a bit of a Crows family. And then in recent years, you know, I got a, a, a mate that plays at, at Port and Port was sort of like the, 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 the team that had an alignment with Nova. So we're doing a lot of, we did their halftime videos and we're doing a lot of things with the players and had a lot of access to them. And I really thought, oh man, this is a really well-run club. Like it's an old club that's been really well-run. So then I thought, you know, and you can't think that as a Crows supporter. So that kind of confused me. And now I've moved over here and now I'm just kind of like, oh, we did a bit where it was like listeners, you know, were pitching their team and I went for Carlton, which seemed like a good idea earlier in the season. But, um, you know, so, I mean, obviously. comedically for someone, Carlton's a good team to support for somebody who's not that interested in supporting football. That's yeah, what I, mean. I know. But it's also funny when you see the teams, you're kind of like, oh, Melbourne's kind of like, yeah has that uh, like crows sort of yuppie, you know, the, the yep. cheese and wine sort of feel and the doggies, your team are, are, are more like an honest, like Port Adelaide team. Like I kind of like that. How you can see that. It's like, it's all, you know, we're not that different really. So I suppose like that, that's been good being under the footy a lot, trying to just get to as much stuff as we can. Like I've, 
I've had more experiences this year than I have in like my whole life. I feel like I just I've never been to tennis before. I've never been to a tennis game, like not even local tennis. But like go, going to the Australian Open, I'm like this is sick. And then you're just rolling, you're rolling straight in. You know, comedy festivals happening. I had done a lot of comedy festival yeah. to be fair. Um, gone to a lot of shows. Like when we used to do Triple J, you'd be based out of Melbourne for sort of that month. So you could do all the interviews and whatever. Um, but yeah, Grand Prix. Only got to like the Thursday just so we could film a bit. So and I was away that weekend, so didn't get to properly do that. But yeah, I, there's so, it feels like there's a lot to talk about all the time. And even just when you're going to events, like you know, you're seeing the same few people in Adelaide. You know the. And then Adelaide, kind of like Perth, like the the A-listers are like, you know, the Crows and Port and the Dockers and the West Coast players, that sort of thing. But in Melbourne, there's, you know, you just see people walking around at events. You're like, oh my God, that's, now that's that guy. The other day, Ben and I went to the boxing and we were sitting next to the guys from Fat Pizza. We're like, whoa, the Fat Pizza guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there's just like people sitting in front of you where you're like, oh yeah, that's Tommy Little or whatever. I don't know. It's just, it seems to be like a bigger pool. Seeing, um... You know, the old guy, footy show, really old guy. Sam Newman? That's the one. <laughs> I didn't say, I was thinking Gary Newman. I'm like, no, that's here in my car. <laughs> that's, the wrong, that's the wrong Newman. Yeah, Sam Newman. Seeing him for the first time was like, wow, you know, he's real. Like I've seen him on the TV so much. But just, like, it's, it's been a bit of an experience for us. I mean, it is like seeing big game in the wild. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, right. I knew giraffes were a thing, but I've never yeah. actually seen a giraffe Freaking up huge. close. It's huge, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was dressed oh, up. He was dolled up as well. He was wearing like a t-shirt with um, Diamante stuck on it. Oh, yeah, fancy. <laughs> Sam's big night out. Uh, I have some standard questions I'd like to ask yes. people on this show, uh, Liam. So I'm going to ask you those questions also. Um, oh, this is not a standard question, but I've always wanted to ask you this question. I may yeah. have even asked you this before. Are you a Liam? Is that your full name? Yeah, I am not a William. I'm not a William, no. I'm a Liam. But are you familiar with the, some Liams are Williams? Have you heard yeah. this before? Because some people yeah, are I, amazed. Like, I think Wills and Liams probably are across this, but when I tell other people that Liam Gallagher's real name is William, they are blown away by I this. I actually name. didn't know that. that. I'm a bit flat oh, on that. Well, there you go. So, yeah, oh, yet again. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big, <laughs> I've done it again. I'm a big, <laughs> this is your favourite fact. He always rolls it out. That's one of my, uh, yeah, that's my favourite interview ever, Liam Gallagher. Got to do LG. And uh, I, you know, I was going to say I'm a big ISIS fan, but obviously, I, if I don't even know his his full name, I'm I'm not. But uh, yeah. uh, no, well, so w- where did you interview Liam? Gallagher? I it was like it was awesome. It was in studio. He was in town. I think he did like he did uh, Falls, and he was doing his own solo show. This is like off his first solo record. And uh, Ben was away in Japan, so it was it was just me, and I got like half an hour with him. And he was a legend. Like I was. That was, I was sort of, you know, that's one that you, you sort of packing it when you sort of obviously like love someone like, you know, you can, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of like what they do. I can talk to them or whatever. I know them from the thing or whatever. But when you're like, oh shit, I actually like love his music. And you also know that he's, you know, he can be prickly. That's kind Notoriously of the vibe. prickly. Well, that's yeah. kind of the thing. And, and I walked out and I was like, oh, you know, hi Liam, I'm Liam. He's like, fucking cool name, mum. Yeah. I'll remember that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, right. And he was like talking about, he was, he, he was sort of saying, because he was on the Falls lineup. So he was like talking about the other artists. He's like, like that fucking bum, man. You know, that fucking, they got that shit song. It's like shit. It's like bullshit, you know. And I was like, oh, the, is it June Rats? Bullshit. And he's like, that's right. Yeah, the Doom Rats. Cool, man. Cool. <laughs> and uh, he was like chewing gum the whole time, sniffing a lot, sort of like 
was very far away from the microphone and very <laughs> animated. Um, but yeah, I, f- I found him like, he was like hilarious and he was just very giving with all his stories. I actually brought in, I never do this, but I had a, I was like, oh, I got it. You know, it's the big interview. So I had a definitely maybe record in my collection and I asked him if he could sign it. So I've got it like framed in my house and it says to Liam, love Liam. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I love that as well. That's a cool story. So um, you've mentioned love a few times uh, in this uh, chat, like the love that you have for your friends, the love and support you've had from your family, the love that you've had for radio and various jobs that you've had. Um, And you've hinted at this fact that you're getting married at the end of the year and that you have a partner who's travelled with you. And was love something that – you know, you said you arrived in Sydney, you didn't have that. Yeah. Um, you know, for this Triple J job. Were you looking for love? Like, was it something that you always thought that, um, were, you, were you the sort of person that when you thought about your future life, you thought, oh, I'll probably get married. And like you yeah. said, even in this conversation, you said, I'll probably have a family at some stage. You yeah, know? absolutely. I definitely, mm. yeah, like it would rattle me, I think, if we fast forwarded, you know, 15 years and like, we, you know, we didn't have kids. Obviously, you know, we don't know if that's on the cards. I mean, yeah. it, it isn't for everyone. Um, but, yeah, I, sw- I suppose I just always imagine that. And I'm lucky my, my parents have a beautiful marriage and, you know, me and my sister had a, had a great childhood growing up. And I sort of, I suppose you, you know, I had the, the perfect possible upbringing. So I, I suppose I I want the same. And I, I know for my fiance Sarah, she's, you know, she, she's from two as well. So I think in our heads, it's like, oh, you know, you're a boy and a girl and yada, yada. And it's, we've just sort of imagined that. I wouldn't say I was, I was out looking for love, you know, when I, this is when I was getting, I got, I got with her at the end of that year when I was getting blasted. So like the end of the first year at Triple J, but the weird thing is, so I knew I, she's like from where I'm from. Right. So the best man at the wedding, uh, his sister is the maid of honor. So do you know what I mean? So and they, they were really good friends of ours and um, she's a year older, but you don't really talk to girls a year older than you. You know, and you, you know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah. so I, found, like, I found it weird, like girls at my school would talk to guys like four years older. And you're like, man, they're so cool. And then you think about it, you're like, that guy's a freak. Like, I would never yeah, do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, that's weird. like, who are these, like, 20-year-olds, like, hanging around schools? Like, that, it's very questionable is what it is. But, uh, you know, that's not the way it works. So that was sort of never on the cards. But I, I suppose I always had a, you know, a bit of a crush on Sarah. And then it just sort of, like, came up just uh, – we actually got together at Fools Festival, um, yeah, weirdly. Right. And we, were, we, were, we have, like, a wicked group of friends that are all very – you know, intertwine, and so her friends' partners are my friends, and it's it's we've got an awesome group, so we're really lucky. And uh, yeah, it was sort of, you know, uh, after that, it was sort of very clear in my head when we got together that we were, we were both sort of just like, oh yeah, she was like, oh shit, like I'm I'm gonna move to Sydney, and it was very like on from there, and we we really haven't looked back. And yeah, it's been it's been nice. Like uh, when she first moved over, we we had housemates and we we're living together in, in a share house, and then we like moved out to our uh, a little like rental in, in, in Redfern. And then we're only there. And that was really nice when we sort of were like, oh, you know, you feel like a real couple when you're living together, just you two for the first time. And we really loved that. And then, uh, yeah, then it was the Adelaide thing sort of came up. So we had to move back over again. And, uh, yeah, that was just the best getting like our first place together and, and having a dog. And she's like into the stuff that I'm into as well. Like she's, you know, big, um, 
music head and loves going to gigs and loves hanging out with the friends and, and whatnot. So yeah, we've just been having a blast and, uh, yeah, I think, um, uh, a lot of that like s- support we sort of have for each other is just, you find a great comfort in that. And, um, yeah, that's, it was just very, once again, very clear in my head, like it was, got engaged like two years ago now. And, uh, and you know, when I made the decision, it was like very like oh, exciting, here we go. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm so, I'm so excited for it. Like, I, I feel like I've honestly had the best year of my life so far and we're, we're only halfway through, but I'm like with that, the, the wedding at the end of the year, like moving to Melbourne, all these experiences, getting to do that trip with my dad. It's, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all happy days at the moment. I am very conscious of about us finishing up, but there's some compulsory questions. Oh, of course. Uh, first one is this, uh, what do you think happens when we die? It's, it's one of those things that like, un- unfortunately, if I really boil it down, I think it's the whole mm-hmm. before you were born thing. Mm-hmm. Like with the first time someone said that, I was like, oh yeah, yeah shit. That, that feels about right. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Whatever you were before this, you yeah. go back to being that. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, when you're like, I can't imagine, like, how I wouldn't. And then when you explain like that, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. But then I'm I'm also, I don't know, maybe that will change. And that's sort of, that sort of, I've, I've you know, I've lost people, but I suppose if you, you know, if there's, if there's someone that you lose that's that close to you, you know, I, I'm lucky that I haven't had that yet, someone in that, you know, direct, direct sort of close knit situation. I had, you know, I've had grandparents pass away and that sort of thing. And at, at the time it sort of rocks you, but I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like if, you know, a best friend or a, you know, a parent, I mean, my, my opinion on that would probably change, I think, but, uh, I will. Yeah. Uh, well, you can certainly understand why people want to believe something yeah, else. Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. And the, the comfort of believing something else is not something that I would ever deny people. Like, yeah. even though I, you know, because it is, this is the heart of it all, right? Which is like how much you think about it, how much you care about it, how much like it governs your life, you know, how much you think about death. So here's a hypothetical question that is a bit more fun. Uh, I stole this. I didn't steal it because I attribute it. So, but I certainly did not come up with it. Uh, Kurt Bronoller was on Pete Holmes's podcast and he asked him this question and now I'm going to ask it to you, Liam. Uh, the question is, would you prefer, and you have to choose one or the other, would you prefer to know when you die or how you die? Oh, <coughs> uh, it's a curly one, isn't it? Uh, probably, yeah. probably how, um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Well, then I, get, I, sp- I suppose if you know when, then you're just like, oh, I live every day to the fullest. Yeah. And then you're not, you know, especially if it was like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to get pancaked by a semi or something. You're like, oh, Christ, I'll, I'll have to stay indoors for the rest of my life. You know what? I'm going to go when just because just on the off chance that uh, it's not just peacefully in your sleep and then you're like, cool, happy with that. Like if it's like not a, not a good one, I would rather just know how long I got. Yeah, no, I understand that. That's that idea of saying like because otherwise you're forced into this situation where you have to decide whether you avoid the thing or not. It's the whether thing. It's, it's the yeah, thing. right. Yeah. Okay, and the the other thing gives you a time frame, and I think what we'd all like is a time frame because like if it's fifty years or five years, you you plan differently, right? This is like true. you'd make different decisions if it was five years to what you would make if it was fifty years. This idea of living every day like it's your last, well, you wouldn't do that if it was fifty, would you? You'd like you'd actually go, you know what? I better get a rest tonight because I've still got another forty nine years. What I will say is, yeah, like per- perfect case scenario, <laughs> neither, please. I like a surprise. I'd like a surprise. No heads up. 
Uh, what's the best or worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I, uh, I feel like I'm constantly getting good advice from people around me. One I heard recently, which I just really liked, um, uh, Paul Jackson, who works in radio, he, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, he said, make the ordinary extraordinary. And I was like, I love that. I've always, I've always, um, I've always sort of said on the show, celebrate the mundane, which is, it's kind of like, you know, that's what kind of comedy is as, as well. What, what, it, what, it, what it means to us anyway, it's sort of, you know, finding those little in, intricacies in life that everyone can relate with and, and, and really, you know, accentuating that stuff. I, I, I also, one that sticks with me, you know, in our annoying emailing phase when we were like asking everyone for advice, which we still do, to be honest, just not as much, but we got a, we got a hold of Tony Martin's number. And, uh, like we like arranged for a phone call and I remember he, he was kind of like, like, he was probably like, who the, who the F are these guys? And like, why? Anyway, but he was great. And like, we picked his brain for like 10 minutes and, uh, he said, laziness is like a drug. And, uh, that really stuck with me just purely in a radio sense, you know, as you said, like that, that alarm's getting off at three fifty. you might have stuff later on that night. Like, you know, the show might be a little undercooked and. I feel like when that starts creeping in and you start leaving earlier and earlier and giving less of a, a rats, then, you know, it's sort of detrimental. It's like a drug. Hey, if you're like, well, if I'm getting away with it, then like, who cares? So yes. yeah, we sort of, we all sort of in, on our team, we sort of hold ourselves to that and all like leave at the same time. And like, I remember there was That's a couple of times. Good. That, that is actually a really good piece. It's a good of one, isn't it? It's a good one. Yes. It's just like, I, yeah, I, I could, I could riddle off a lot of them, but it's just the ones that sort of like stick in your head for whatever reason. Mm. I remember like, um, there was a couple of times where, you know, I wouldn't say I was leaving like, incredibly early, but, um, you know, it was like, whatever, you know, I'll finish that tomorrow, finish that thing, whatever. And like, oh, I'm just going to go home. It's like an hour walk home. This is when I was living in Sydney. And, uh, like, as I left the doors, um, Ben sent me like a really zoomed up photo of Tony Martin's face. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, you know, so, so we just knocked that photo of Tony Martin's face around every now and then. You, it's kind of code for like laziness. Is That's like a good too, right? Yeah. That's like a good, it's nice to have a fun little way to signal that I don't without think I've ever it being like a big, big deal. I haven't met the guy in person as well. Like it's one of those things. It's, uh, it's funny that he. I mean, he's a genius and that is such yeah. a great piece of. Uh, like advice. I love it. And they, I'm going to steal that they, one. They, like radio wise, like they, you know, how there's these people across the, you know, when you ask the, the inspo, like, was it, was it Hamish and Andy? And then before that it was American Rosso. And then, you know, that Martin and Malloy, like a lot of people draw on that, but I've listened to a few of those old shows and I'm like that it's such an incredible show in the sense that I'm like, those guys would have been there for hours, man. Hours, hours, hours and hours of writing and writing and like such all nerds. Day. Editing. Nerds And back craft. in the day when it would have taken so long to edit all those I sketches know. in the way I that know. they were edited. I mean, it's incredible feat. I mean, Tony in particular would have been the one. I mean, Mick, Mick is a hard worker as well, just in a yeah. different way. But like that dynamic between the two. I mean, for me, that was the one. Yeah, was I mean, Martin Malloy yeah. to me was at like genius. Like all I wanted to do was like – do comedy on the radio like that. That was the one. So um, uh, two more questions and then we're done. Uh, you can listen uh, to Ben and Liam and Bell. Is What's the show actually called? Is uh, it Bell, Ben and Liam? Is it Ben, ben Liam, Liam Bell. Bell? Yeah. Ben, Liam, ben, Liam, Liam and Bell, Bell. on uh, Nova in Melbourne. But you can also, I imagine, there'd be a podcast of it that people could listen to Absolutely. whenever they are, right? Yeah, wherever you get your podcast. Um, they would prefer me to say the Nova player, but if it's easier, Spotify and mate, podcast also works. You know what? Look, it, the fact that you have even walked in 
into a rival radio studio to record this with me today. I thought it was uh, it's, something it's that we weird, can edit man. out I if am we need like, to. <laughs> yeah, or across enemy lines. I don't want to call him out, but guess who I saw yeah. uh, at Nova when I walked out in the in the room? Ed Cavalier. And he works on this oh. side, so well, uh, traders everywhere. No. I mean, what I love, and I hate, I hope that podcasting certainly never becomes this, because the, the funny thing was back in the days, and I, I, you, I'm sure you've had this experience as well, is that they think that everyone who does breakfast radio against each other are all, all enemies. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure maybe there are some. But the truth of it is, you have more in common with the people who are on competing shows to you, because you all do the same job. There are very few people in the country who do the same job as you. So if you run into someone else from another radio station who does that exact job, you're probably actually excited about like talking to them about, you know, go go on. This is true, but I I will give you a story. Three stories, very quick ones from this week. So I thought the same thing at the weekend. I was at the Carlton game. That's the one that, brought, you know, brutal for me saying mid-table clash. But yeah, it was it was Carlton Essendon. And uh, Brenda Favola was sitting like three seats in front of me. And I was like, awesome. Fev. You know, there's like 10 people that do breakfast radio in Melbourne. Yeah. So not like I'm expecting him to know who I am straight away. Anyway, I was like, I'm going to go say g'day, have a bit of a chat. Awkward. Like nice enough guy, but I think he just thought I was trying to get a photo and I was like, oh, like oh, I work at Nova. And then I was like, he, he must have thought I was like, I don't know, in Nova a tech boy. team or something. Nova, <laughs> Casanova or something. And then I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to cut the call on that one. Anyway, yeah. last night, as I said, went to Michael McIntyre and saw uh, Christian O'Connell, who I know has been on this podcast a couple of times. Big fan of everything he does. Read his book. Um, his EP is a good friend of mine and Jack Post, who's also on the show, who's magnificent, went for a breakfast with him a couple of weeks ago. I was like, there's enough ties there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, in fact, one of the people from the team, we did a bit sort of paying out the other radio shows. It's like, oh, great. I'm going to send that to Christian. He'll love that. Yada, yada. <laughs> so I was like, here we go. I'm going to shoot my shot. And I walked over and I was like, hey, Christian. And he's like, hiya, buddy. And kept just, kept <laughs> walking, didn't even break freaking stride. And I was like, Christ, I've been blanked by two out of the 10 people in the market. And then it was my birthday yesterday, as I mentioned, and I was walking around, um, just walking around, and this this girl in sales, her name's Steph, uh, she went, uh, oh, happy birthday, Ben. And I was like, how do you know it's my birthday, but you don't know that I'm Liam? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I mean, I get the other guys on the radio stations, but I'm like, people in... Our workplace don't even know who I am. So I don't, I give up. I mean, yeah, okay. They were three good stories to disprove the point that I was trying to make. So well done. I appreciate that. Sorry. Sorry. um, Here's what I am going to say, Liam. Thank you so much for doing the show. I have a time machine. Yes. Uh, I can take you either to the future or to the past. Um, It it has to be a return trip. You can go to anywhere. You can visit your own life, but you can also just go wherever you want to go. Firstly, would Mm -hmm. you go to the future or to the past? Uh, what I will say is anyone who goes to the future, like psychopathic, like, I don't know why you do that. I just, uh, kind of like I'm a, <laughs> good. the um, one, like, I like a firm bit. opinion on this oh, topic. Man, it's so just good, like, yes. I, it's like, no, like, no, like that's the spice of life, right? Like not knowing what's <laughs> next. Okay. Um, would never do that. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, um, going back in time, like I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff you could do to, um, you know, change the course of history, but then there's that butterfly effect thing. So. I think if it's uh, not too selfish, I'd probably just like one of my favorite things is I got, I got a few vinyls at home, but I also love, I love the kick-ons and like having some mates over and just getting up like classic sets on, on YouTube, like a Nirvana live at Reading, 
or you know, you know that Goo Goo Dolls one in the rain. I don't uh-huh. even like Goo Goo Dolls that much, but I know. But that one in the rain, where he's singing Dakota or what? No, what's the name <laughs> yeah. of that song? That, that's yeah. a big song. Oh, that, Iris, and yeah. I don't want the world Iris. to That's what it is, right? I knew it was. So and he's in there in the rain, oh, and it's mate, all just it's belting awesome. down. I mean, it's that awesome. is good. That's one of the, yeah. the best moments in music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or like, uh, I don't know, you know, just saying Beatles at the Cavern Club or something. Like, I think I would waste it, especially if I could take, you know, the people around me, my loved ones and friends and whatnot. I'd love to just go to a gig. Just go, go to, to a sick gig. gig. Just go to, you yeah. know, Oasis at Nedworth or something, you know. Something yeah. that maybe maybe it would have to be like Nirvana or the Beatles, like someone who's dead, like mm-hmm. someone who it's not possible now. You know, I go to that, you know, famous Sex Pistols gig where there was yes. twelve people, but they were yes. all like famous people, or whatever. And, was there. Like, and there was also this weird guy up the back <laughs> <laughs> with high hair, high grey hair from the future. I don't know who he was, but um, uh, oh, mate, it's been so good to have you do this show today. Thank you so much for oh, um, doing it. I, I super appreciate it, and um, yeah, just really love to have a chat with nah, you. Thank mate, you. It's been an honour. My first thought was, oh my god, I've been listening to this for years. I can't. I can't believe he's asked me. Second thought, Christ, he's scraping the barrel at this point. But good on you. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. That's not the reason. I'm just happy to talk to you. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Will. Thank you.